Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It was a very difficult call for me because they took me on a hell of a ride. He took me on a hell of a ride, and I, and I enjoyed every second of it. But in this business, this is the business I chose to be in where, where difficult decisions have to be made. I want to wish Ryan and his family nothing but the best in Toronto, and they're, they're both going to situations where change is difficult, but they're going to a team that, that uh, is planning on being competitive. They're going to have a difficult first-round matchup, and it's going to be must-see TV, but I know I think they're, they're going to really help the Leafs as they, as they try and push forward. Let's get nasty on a Monday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. And that was the voice of general manager Doug Armstrong following the trade of Ryan O'Reilly. Wait, what? What happened? Yeah, Ryan O'Reilly got dealt, Jamie. What? When did this happen? Friday night. What? Yep. Yeah, I know. My phone blew up. I'm sure. It was like my phone was a slot machine. Bling, 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 bling. So Ryan O'Reilly goes bling. to Toronto <laughs> along with Noel Achari. In a deal that the Blues net a first-round pick in 2023 from the Maple Leafs, a second-round pick in 2024, a third-round pick in 2023 that previously belonged with Ottawa, and a couple of forwards, Jamie. They were also thrown into the mix. The Blues retained 50% of Ryan O'Reilly's salary, remaining salary. That is the max amount that they could could hang on to or they could accrue. And Minnesota decided to throw in 25% of Ryan O'Reilly's. They made it a three-way. They made it a three-way. And for that three-way to be completed, (laughs) Toronto kicks in a, I think it was a fourth-round pick going back to Minnesota. Yeah, Bill Guerin becoming the facilitator of trades for a division rival. Almost unheard of, to be honest, because uh, why would you want to help the St. Louis Blues? I mean, unless you totally deem them not to be a threat, at least this year. Yeah, Um, and I'm sure that's the case possibly it is unusual though no matter what but bill Guerin, you know what there'll be a time in the future i bet you where he comes knocking at the door and says hey remember that time Mm -hmm. remember that time i helped you out when we did that three-way yeah Mm -hmm. i need your help now it's time for a three-way it's my three-way yeah you come to my house yeah you put your keys right there in the yeah i don't know oh this no okay keys but nonetheless um no, here's here's my initial thoughts on this trade. One, I hate losing Ryan O'Reilly. I absolutely hate the thought of him not being in a Blues jersey. I do. To me, he embodied everything that you wanted in a St. Louis Blues player. That being said, this is a great deal by Doug Armstrong. He did a great job. Yeah, the team when it when the trade went down, the Blues are one game above 500 at the time. That's not a Stanley Cup contender. This late into the season, no matter what happened in 2019, where they came back from last place in the NHL, 
Okay, you're deeper into the season at this point, and you're not showing as much promise. Time to move on. And so I imagine that Noel Achari was the 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 little bit extra to sweeten the pot to make sure that you got all of these picks. Great job by Doug Armstrong. If this is the direction you're going to go in as far as liquidating your unrestricted free agents, get the most for them. And he did. This is a great trade. The media in Toronto uh, like this deal. They love this deal. So a lot of pressure on Ryan O'Reilly. Now, not so much Noel Achari. All Noel Achari has to do is go up to Toronto and do what he did here. Mm-hmm. He'll play his 10, 11 minutes a game, win some faceoffs run into some guys, block some shots, and he will be golden in Toronto. Nobody expects him to be the guy who wins them a cup. Now, can he be a big part of it? Absolutely. Because Toronto needs grit. They need guys like Achari. They need guys like O'Reilly. They haven't had those guys in the last handful of years, and that's what's cost them. They tried to go out and get those guys in Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, but those guys were just a little too old to be able to pull their weight like they used to. Ryan O'Reilly is still, I mean, one of the best defensive or two-way forwards in the National Hockey League, and Nola Chari is a great fourth-line player. So Toronto Maple Leafs and their fan base are thrilled right now. I can't find an article anywhere that says that, boy, the Maple Leafs made a bad trade here. It's probably more than they wanted to part with. Kyle Dubas, he was trying to not give up as many assets as he did. But he understood that the deal needed to happen. He understood that Ryan O'Reilly is that kind of player. And I know this for a fact, Anthony. Toronto Maple Leafs aren't done. They're looking to go get a defenseman. And so I don't know what they have left as far as their their trade assets, meaning their uh, draft capital. But they do have some good young prospects if they're willing to part with them. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are under an extreme amount of pressure to not just win a Stanley Cup, to win a playoff round. I forget how many years it's been since they've won a playoff round, but they haven't been in it. And so right now, the Maple Leafs in 2023 don't have a first or second rounder or a fourth rounder. In 2024, they don't have a second or third. And in 2025, they don't have a second. So they still have first round picks in 2024 and 2025. I would imagine one of those will go at some point because Austin Matthews, those guys are coming, those contracts are coming to fruition. You can't be guaranteed that he'll stay in a Maple Leafs jersey. You've got to strike now. So I think, in my opinion, I don't know this, but in my opinion, the Maple Leafs probably forced Army's hand a little bit here. They probably said, hey, we need to make this deal sooner than later so that we know what we're left over with to go get another player. So, Doug Armstrong, and I don't know. I don't know, right? But Doug Armstrong probably said, okay, well, if that's the case, then you know, here's exactly what we're looking for. Give me a call back. I don't know what they do. The GM talk, maybe the text. Probably don't text. Those guys are pretty secretive. Probably a phone call, for real, so that nobody quite knows what's going on. The burner phone. Yeah. The, no, I, I can see Army with a flip phone. Yeah. I, fe- I picture my Army like Walter White from Breaking Bad. Like the flip phone hit up in the ceiling tiles. Mm-hmm. That thing starts to ring. He's like, oh, boy, <laughs> we got a trade offer. No, maybe was, not. Army is the one who knocks. Yeah, exactly. I was watching. I was watching a, a movie a couple of weeks ago on on Netflix. I think it was called Polar. Did you ever watch? Did you ever watch that? You ever see that? Mm-hmm. The the one the, the antagonist in the movie though. He he's he's like a he's like a hired hit man, right? So every single time he makes a phone call, he takes the chip out of the phone and, and breaks it real quick and moves and like ditches the phone. He moves he moves on. I could see Army doing that. You know, he like makes the call with Toronto, takes the chip, 
breaks it oh, yeah, and yeah. moves on. And then gets, gets another over phone. With. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. The burner phones. The burner phones, Needs exactly. Hit up Saul Goodman. Yeah. It's Better right, call right. Saul. <laughs> Jamie, uh, I think one of the more underrated aspects of uh, of being a human being is being self-aware. Uh-huh. Like, people who don't have self-awareness, you, you, you just want to strangle them sometimes. Quite a bit. Yeah, and and this is, uh, this is key, I think, too, when you're running not an owner owners need to be self-aware too but if you're running a a professional sports organization like doug armstrong is or like john mosaloc is or choose your favorite general manager slash president of baseball slash hockey operations okay you need to have self-awareness toronto is toronto has self-awareness they know that the draft picks that they have that they have that they have or they're they're just giving up does them no good this year you're right. Austin Matthews, pending free agent. You don't know what's going to happen with him. You got your lots fan of guys. base, Mitch Marner. You got an aging John Tavares. Like, come on, man. Your fan base is starved for a winner. Get out of the first round, and then. Well, Not apparently just they haven't the gotten out of the first round since 2004. That's rough. So. That'd be like the Yankees not winning a playoff series in 20 years. Not good. No. The, the heat is at an all-time high. Yeah. Self-aware. We know it's it's right now. It's right in front of us. Make the deal that's going to put us over the top, or at least we feel is going over the top. And like you said, maybe you had a defenseman too. They're going to they're gonna need to. So Toronto's self-aware. Credit Doug Armstrong for also being self-aware. We had this conversation on Friday, Jamie, when you were out. Michelle and I talked about it, and I said to her, the tricky part right now for Doug Armstrong, coming off the three three straight wins, because Friday Friday night or Saturday lose to, to Colorado, but that was after the deal. The tricky part for Doug Armstrong is three-game winning streak. Do I have enough to at least get into the playoffs, reward the ownership, make yeah. this thing a little bit more profitable for getting into the postseason, or do I or or do I buy into the fact that not even that is going to help us long term, and I need to trade the assets that I have? Credit Doug Armstrong for being self aware. Yeah, he knows what. Well, and the ownership he, too, because nothing happens without the ownership signing off. On certainly, it. we've talked about that from the Cardinals. Well, mm-hmm. same applies for the Blues. So it, it was smart to make this deal, Jamie. Let me take you down a road here, real quick, Anthony. The St. Louis Blues right now, for the fan base, if you feel like things look bleak. Don't. Because Doug Armstrong, I don't know if we have the mar- the audio, Marshy, of where Army talks about possibly using the picks in other ways, not just to use the pick on a young player. We've talked about this. It's about a- you're, you're gaining assets. You gain assets. So right now in 2023, the Blues have three first-round picks, nine picks overall in the draft. In 2024, they have nine picks overall in the draft. Again, Army could flip some of these picks and players and more picks this team this blues team could be back in the mix as soon as next year honestly if you let's say you brought back a ryan o'reilly or a player like that and you used a first round or two of your first round picks this year to go get some really good young players maybe a jacob chikrin maybe a you know and i know we're going to talk about that later on but all of a sudden your team is totally changed. And it's because you went and you were smart enough to part with assets that you had in players that were on expiring contracts to gain other assets to now move the ball forward and hopefully open that window again. Maybe not for a Stanley Cup right away, but at least get back into the playoff mix. Did you find it, Marshy? No? All right. Never well, mind. We'll work on that. Let's take a break, and then Marsh, Marsh can, can look at it. Anthony, I want to ask our listeners for something, okay? 
And before we go to break, mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN mobile app. It's pretty easy. It's got a little microphone right at the bottom. You just click that thing and tell us your thoughts on the Ryan O'Reilly trade. How do you feel about what Doug Armstrong did with Ryan O'Reilly and what he got back in return and just overall? Leave us a mic drop. Your mic drops as well as whether or not we could see Ryan O'Reilly back following next year. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have nameplates I put up on our board and I never throw them away because, <laughs> you know, I'd, I would have had to go back to the and, and waste the owner's money getting four for David Perron or whatever. So I, I never I never say never for a player returning, especially a high character and, and uh, of, of any, and any of the guys. But there's also no guarantees. There's, you know, when, when someone leaves, they may fall in love. They may fall in love with the city. They may fall in love with their new team. So there are no guarantees. But I certainly, I am not one that, that looks as... as uh, Parting ways is something that's final with, with any player. That was Doug Armstrong answering the question whether or not he would consider bringing back Ryan O'Reilly. It's the fast line on 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. We, we, and we did talk about this, Jamie. Even if Ryan O'Reilly was dealt, we had the conversation about, hey, could Doug Armstrong get a haul for Ryan O'Reilly? And he did, mm-hmm. sending Nolachari and O'Reilly to Toronto for you know multiple draft picks. But best case scenario is that he negotiates a contract with Ryan O'Reilly in the offseason. Toronto could also do the same thing. Or Ryan O'Reilly could say, you know what, uh, now that I'm out outside of St. Louis, yeah, I did say that I would love to be there long term, but that was then, this is now. I and lied. He, and now no. he can, <laughs> I can move on. That's the risk. You trade You trade a player. I I, ne- I, didn't, I did not think that O'Reilly I – thought, I thought Tarasenko would be dealt. I didn't think O'Reilly would be dealt. And at one point – Months ago, I thought the Blues are going to get back in this thing, and then I don't, I don't see, I don't see either being traded. Yeah. Even, even with Tarasenko, because I thought they'll they'll get the they'll get the the wheels back on the track, and then they can get going a little bit. And it just never happened. I was I was wrong about them getting back on track, and thus I was, you know, subsequently I was wrong about them trading both guys. Now that it has happened, theoretically, could you could you bring back O'Reilly? Yeah. But O'Reilly may get a taste of being in Toronto. It's close to his to, close to his hometown. Well, and it's a it's an incredible organization. He called it the Hockey Mecca. Yeah, Maple Leaf Entertainment, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. I mean, they have more money than everybody. Sure. And um, it's not that they have more cap space than everybody. The cap might be um, a challenge, but that you know what? Maybe Ryan O'Reilly because it's it's right near home. He t- maybe he takes the hometown discount. Look at what uh, Mark Giordano did. Mark Giordano took a massive, I mean a massive pay cut to stay in Toronto. And he was a veteran guy, not exactly the same um, situation as Ryan O'Reilly. But nonetheless, he took a deal to stay there. And we look at, if I pull up the Maple Leafs right now, uh, yeah, Mark Giordano making 800000 for this year and next year. I don't know if Ryan O'Reilly would ever do something like that. But what if O'Reilly said, you know what? I'm good for uh, three years, two million a year. <laughs> yeah. Now keep this team competitive. 
So I don't know. Anything can happen. And it also, anything can happen as far as Ryan O'Reilly coming back to the Blues. I caution Blues fans who are sitting there like feeling like he's coming back for sure. I mm-hmm. think he'll come back. I th- Ryan O'Reilly loves St. Louis. He loves the fans. He loves the city. He loves everything about St. Louis. He would love to probably come back here. However, there are other factors that come in. At, when it's when it's time to sign your name on the dotted line, if the Maple Leafs want to hang on to Ryan O'Reilly, they will make him feel really loved and wanted. Or another team, like let's say the Leafs go on a run. Say they get to the Eastern Conference Final and they lose to the Bruins. Let's say that. Or let, what if they get to the Stanley Cup? Something crazy like this. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly might say, I like it here. I, I don't. Doug, I know we talked, but I, I don't want to leave Toronto now. I feel like this is now my team, my project, you know, moving forward. They got mm-hmm. some good young players. I feel like I've got my guys that I'm, I'm dragging along here. Th- things change. People change, Mox. Things change, Mox. You're the starting quarterback now. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, would he like to come back here? Uh, probably. You know, I think, he, like I said, he loves he it say here. It. He said he loves it. He would love to come back. But there are other factors, and there are other teams, too. That is, they watch the Maple Leafs have success. They might say Ryan O'Reilly's value is greater than what we thought. We need to outbid everybody for him. That, that's from O'Reilly's standpoint. The other side of this, too, is the Blues say, Doug Armstrong specifically, we're moving on, too. We're, we're, we are turning well, we've seen the that page. Happen. We, saw the, we saw that happen with, uh, is if you, you know, you could go before the cup with Bacchus, you could go after the cup with Petro and David Perron, and now Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. They may cho- they may choose to say this it happens it happens in all sports and the old Bill Parcells line comes to the t- comes to mind here too and I I have said I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth not this time at least I have said in the past I think Ryan O'Reilly is a perfect fit for the Blues and what they want to what they want to do and he ultimately is going to have great value here in St Louis I think they should bring him back if you take a step back though this is a natural transition to. We are moving forward. We're we're moving forward with a bit of a youth movement. We're we're changing we're changing the tide here. And Jamie, you had mentioned this before. Doug Armstrong, and we we found the clip, Doug Armstrong talked about using a lot of the draft capital to maybe turn this around in a hurry. I can answer that better probably August fifteenth. Uh, meaning I'm gonna know what happens at the draft. I'm gonna I'm gonna know what what we were able to do with those picks. Did we use those picks for future players? Did we trade those picks for current players? Your team is pretty well set in early August. There might, there's not a lot of big trades made then. And I, I, need, I just need time to play itself out on what happens with these assets that we're gaining now for the future. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he has stocked the cupboard full of draft picks, which is, one, a great thing for a franchise if you want to rebuild quickly, and you, but... But three-year, four-year plan, or two, rebuild really quickly in a year or two because those draft picks, especially this year's draft, this is a very deep draft class, uh, specifically the first round. You've got three picks in the first round. Now, uh, your own pick is probably going to be the highest pick available. Then you've got the Rangers and the Maple Leafs, probably a lower pick in the first round. But nonetheless, nonetheless, rather, first-round picks. So if you are looking to add a player... Uh, or a young player. That's where the young player comes in. So it's not like you're going to go out and add a veteran guy uh, that has an expiring contract because that's opposite of what Army's trying to do here right now. But just like in baseball, if the Cardinals went and acquired a player with team control left, 
that's where first-round picks come in handy. Because mm-hmm. now you can say to a team that has a guy that they're not sure they can re-sign in a couple of years or not, and eh, maybe the team's not great, but they've got a really good young player, throw them some draft picks, and all of a sudden that player can be yours under team control. Sure. And then you can re-up that player in a year or two when his contract expires right. and you know, hopefully hang on to him. So it's a, it's a big advantage for the Blues to have so many picks available and now, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what direction Army goes in and what becomes available. And he might just stand pat. He might end up going to the draft table and using every single pick. Who knows? Who who who, who really knows? knows? Who really knows? Um, but at, at least if your team's going to not have a successful season, this is the best case scenario. You're not sitting here like the Chicago Blackhawks were. Right where you've emptied all your cabinets, you've emptied all the bank account, you're you're right up against the cap, and you have no draft capital at all. And you're going through hell right now. But we won three cups. I agree. I'd take the three cups too. But I don't think Doug Armstrong would have followed the same pattern, meaning that I think the Army would have liked to hang on to the, the main core guys, took a kick at some more cups, but not at the expense of losing all of your draft picks either. We want your mic drops on this. You can leave us a mic drop via the 101 ESPN Sports app, and uh, we'll we'll you know we'll take it take them throughout the course of the show. What's your thoughts on it? Did you like the move? Did you think that Armstrong got enough? What are your thoughts on the future right now of of this organization? Again, we'll take your mic drops throughout the course of the show. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stolz. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Big win yesterday for for a St. Louis team. Ha-ka! Which Battle Hawks? You guys said you guys believed all the entire time, right? I never doubted it. Yeah, Anthony. never doubt it. No, the, the really this is this is a team that's meant to to come back. Just a team that if you have them down, you better kill them yeah. because they're going to get back up and hurt well, you. Well, the Brahmas didn't do that yesterday. Nope. They, they got cacawed right in their face. It's next should. on one hundred and one ESPN. Cacaw. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Karen. Buys more time. Keeps his eyes downfield. Has pro. McCarron has a receiver. Caught. Touchdown, St. Louis. And a flag on the play. That is pro. He's going to have to throw. A sack would end it. A sack would end it. And St. Louis. And LaCale London ends the game in improbable fashion for the Audio courtesy of ESPN Radio is your battle ox. Stormback, 18-15 winners over the San Antonio Brahmas. And, Jamie, it's not how you start the game. Hell, it's not even how you play the first, you know, uh, 50 or so minutes. You it's play about the game how to the last finish. buzzer. That's right. It's right about how you buzzer. finish, Like Jamie. your Falcons. It, well, what? don't do that. What? Oh, my bad. I meant the Patriots. Sorry. Good call. Um we got our own version of the Patriots here in St. Louis right now. Yeah, we do. Maybe I shouldn't say that. People don't like to. We got Patriots. our own version of the Vikings. No, against no, the Colts. Probably not. That. Got our own version. Mm. We're just the Battle Hawks, okay? Yeah, caca right. is law. That's right. So, Jamie, um, boy, not great for for what? most of that game. What, are you talking? Uh, what 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 did you not like? Anthony? Well, from a just from a pure football standpoint, you know, a little bit more offense. I think the offensive line's got. Got some issues. Uh, what issues? Well, you know, black blocking, pretty much. I think that's the, <laughs> I think that's the first thing. Uh, maybe giving hey Jimmy McCarron more of a, a, a little bit more time to throw. Hey, what? they did it when it counted, though. What did you think of AJ McCarron, Anthony? What do you think? Well, I think the offense is kind of tailor made for him if they block. Yeah, I was curious. In all seriousness, I was curious how Anthony backed to kind of set up the offense for the Battle Hawks, and if you. If you kind of understand what AJ McCarron's game is, the number one thing I thought of was if you don't if you don't have a strong play action game, you're not going to get the best of AJ McCarron. And they did that to their credit. The problem is, Jamie, if you don't have a strong offensive line and you don't yeah. generate a push and you're not controlling said offensive line, the play action really isn't going to work. And for most of that game it didn't. You don't want to spread everything out and have AJ McCarron kind of pick you apart. That's not that's not really his game. Is he, that because he can't throw the ball very good, Anthony? No, that's more of a. Um, that was uh, very direct. Um, I should have worded that better. I mean, look, the, the two biggest throws in the game he made, and credit credit Ricky Prohl, Ricky Prohl's son, and Ricky Prohl is the the wide receiver coach for the the Battle Hawks. But uh, Prohl, his son, two outstanding catches. The the fourth and fifteen. Mm-hmm which we'll get to because I love that element. The fourth and 15 and then the touchdown throw. A.J. McCarron made two of the best throws of the game, period, bar none. And on on Brahma's side, Jay Cohen, the former Notre Dame quarterback, he was kind of dink and dunk and just short passes up and down the field. And they they, they were not capitalizing on their, their red zone opportunities. The Battle Hawks played very good defense in, in the red zone and allowed the, the Battle Hawks to set up that comeback. But McCarron did make the two biggest throws. If you don't set him up, though, you don't have that running game. You don't have the play action. You don't have his opportunity to build off of it. You're going to be in trouble. I would even argue that he made three big throws. Don't the the I guess it was the the third down con, or third three point conversion, which is another oh, yes. a, a element to this whole XFL thing. Right. But that was a massive throw, and he that was a tight window that he threw that ball into. And if you don't get that that three point conversion, this whole thing yeah. doesn't really matter. 
I think you did see a lot of the if if you're just if you're focused in on just the XFL because if you start to compare it to college football, the NFL, the CFL, you can't just take this for what it's worth. If you do if you do take a step back and say what do the Battlehawks have in an AJ McCarron compared to what other what other teams have with other quarterbacks, you do have a guy that played in the NFL that does understand pro concepts. At one point you saw late in the game, he motioned for his running back to to shift over just a little bit, which is a protection call. You're going to get some of those elements with AJ McCarron, which is good. Mm-hmm. You hope that the team kind of progresses throughout the course of the season. And it was just the first game, but overall, uh, dominated in total total yards, dominated in total plays. You did have more yards per play, which is big. Dominated in first downs. The the best part was the final two minutes, and you wound up winning the game. There's there's a lot to clean up, I think, for Anthony Becht and his team. So let me ask you this then, though, Anthony, as you watch the Brahmas play, and I didn't watch any other games around the XFL. Oh, but, so you missed Ben DiNucci fumble on the uh, one-yard line? The <laughs> A couple um, of picks for to him, To lose too. the game. But when you watch the Brahmas play, was it equally as sloppy for you? Yes. So it's probably a league-wide thing right now. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so trying to first, figure First game overall. Listen, uh, the Battlehawks are favored to win this thing this year. And I'm just excited about it. In our hearts or like an actual no, they're, betting They're favorite. favored to win it. They were a three-point favorite I yesterday. I saw that on the, the telescreen. They're favorite to win the right whole there. damn thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of really good players on, on each team. It's kind of scattered. Like, I, I, I really liked I – didn't, I didn't peruse the Brahma's roster before going into what? that game. And as as they were, you know, watch it, watching it, and you know, Jack Cohn. Okay, I remember him at Notre Dame. Kalen Balaj, I used to like watching at Arizona State. He was a former Dolphins running back. Any and, chips in the game? Oh, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some chips. I didn't see any yesterday, <laughs> but I'm sure there's some chips around the league. We gotta find our favorite chips. There's player. probably not. I mean, most of those guys are in the NFL. Jimmy. Oh, Anthony. Uh, Brian Hill. I told you on Friday. <laughs> I told you guys on Friday. I was looking forward to watching Brian Hill players. I mean, he was one of the better players on the field. I thought. Anthony, yeah, I don't know what you want to think of this uh, from the six three six. Said that they felt like they were watching Central Michigan play NIU for fifty seven minutes. You would get way more scoring than 18 to 15 if you're watching that. You'd get less defense, my friend. Brian Hill, he rushed for 55 yards on six carries. He had a, a huge 40-yard run, too, He did in that second half. All right, uh, so I, I thought he looked good, Anthony. I thought he did, too. So, guys, what did you think of the fourth and 15? Just the, just the element. So, would you like to see the NFL incorporate this? So, a couple of things. One, I love the, um, the extra points following the touchdown. You have the option of the... Two-yard line for a single point, five-yard line for two points, or the 10-yard line, I believe, for three points. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. And then to follow that up, to have the ability in the fourth quarter, and only in the fourth quarter if you're trailing, you can so you can elect to either physically have an onside kick or have the fourth and 15 option where you place the ball at the 25, your 25-yard line. So there is a gamble there. Mm-hmm. If you're not successful, you're giving the other team the ball at your 25-yard line. I loved it. I, I, to me, it added a, an element of excitement and risk to the game. And how great was it when they hit that, when they got a 20-yard pass on that play, uh, the fourth and 15, they got 20 yards on that. Bam! Dropped it right right in the sideline, right between the defenders. Yeah. It was I, a good throw. I loved it. I don't know about you guys. 
I liked it. I hope I hope they incorporate. At first, I'm like, ah, I don't know, but but what's the difference? Would you rather want to? Would you rather watch an onside kick, or would you rather watch the ball be in the quarterback's hands? That's really what it comes down to. Would you rather watch Harrison Bucker attempt an onside kick or Patrick Mahomes attempt a fourth and fifteen? Well, obviously, you want to see Patrick Mahomes. From an entertainment standpoint, I, yeah, I love they it. They got it right here. I love it. I don't want it in the NFL, though. Why? Just because it's Why? not because there. The NFL, the NFL doesn't need it. The XFL needs this. They need it for the entertainment. Like, that's what made it so entertaining, right? The, the NFL, to me, is already entertaining. I'm telling you this. Within five years, the NFL will have it. I wouldn't be Thank surprised. Thank you, T Bone. He's giving me the thumbs up. T Bone's seventy five years so, old, though. Okay, so T Bone <laughs> T Bone is in our produ- our production studio right now. So T, you could give me the the thumbs up or the thumbs Whoa, down. Oh, not that finger. Yeah, come on, T. It's a family program, even though people can't see you. Thank God. I just asked Marsh, would you rather see the kicker attempt an onside kick, or the quarterback attempt a fourth and fifteen? Marsh Marsh said, obviously Mahomes. Same question to you. Thumbs up for the kicker, thumbs down for the quarterback. What would you rather see in that spot? You'd rather see the kicker attempt the onside kick. Don't be wrong. I'd rather see Mahomes do it. I'd rather, like, obviously, you'd you rather Mahomes. see Mahomes kick no, the ball. I'd, no. He's a quarterback, Marsh. He wouldn't be. I think he'd put him at risk with an onside kick. Yeah, I don't think Especially that's with smart. that ankle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good call. He's got to use the other one. No, I just, I don't think it belongs in the NFL. It's wow. too goofy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it belongs they in the said XFL. They probably about a lot like, of the it's... rules in the NFL. Probably. Over the years, that's too goofy. Now it's a rule. Jamie. I think you're resisting change, Marsh. <laughs> yeah. May, I could be wrong I on that. I resisting change, change. Change. But not you. I just don't want it in the NFL. All right, fair enough. I like it. I just don't want it in the NFL. That was exciting, nonetheless. Nice comeback for our I would rather folks. take the fourth and 15, though, than the, like, the three-point conversion, the two-point conversion, like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 goofy, it's exciting, but like it's an element that you don't want to see. It's the XFL. All right, fair enough. So uh, updating you on the XFL North right now, your Battlehawks one and zero, your DC Defenders are one and zero, Seattle's zero and one, the Vipers are zero and one. We hate the Vipers. Yeah, apparently they used to be in Tampa, but now they move. Right? <laughs> yeah, I still hate moved. them. I have a tattoo that says "I hate the Vipers." You got to keep it going. Good for you. <laughs> what do you think about the kickoff, though? We're getting some text about the kickoff. Well, it's an element to, to keep to keep injury risk sure. down. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. What did they change with that? So you have you have the uh, the players can't move until the 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 returner catches the ball. Then you can move. Both, just, both this sides. Is dangerous. No, no, both sides can't. And you and you're backed. You're backed up. I can't remember what the actual. It's just as dangerous. The kicker is that way guy back. Get, now the guy who receives it gets to work up full speed before he's clocked. So he catches it, and then and then everybody ah. goes. But there's not as much of a of a run for the kickoff team. Oh my! So that they start. It's it's just. I think you're splitting hairs. It's not a lot of lead up because now you've got a guy who a kick returner who may not hit maximum speed because he has guys on him. Now he's going to have a head start to hit maximum speed, which means the defensive team doesn't have to hit maximum speed for maximum impact. When you see it, you It's all math. Know. It's <laughs> physics and science, Anthony. Right, fair enough. So we we get a text from the 636. <laughs> I'm right. I really am. Marsh doesn't want the 4th and 15 because he knows Kirk Cousins will only throw it five yards. That's a really down. good point. And it's <laughs> up for, it's up for text of the 15. day. <laughs> that one's up for text of the day. It's not a bad thought. And I think T-Bone doesn't want to see it because uh, he doesn't want to see Baker Mayfield attempt the same thing. 
Is he a Baker Mayfield fan? He loves he this is the, he loves the Rams. That's his guy. Oh, so Jamie, yeah, yeah. Jamie, the 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 kickoff the the kickoff return yeah, team is set up on the is set up on the thirty. Mm-hmm. The kickoff team is set up on the twenty five. Ah. Uh-huh. So, so have to do that. So you don't you don't have as you don't have that 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 collision going on. How do you not? Come here and look at this, Jamie. Hang on. Here. Hang on. My headphones aren't reaching here. You've got enough cord there. I do. You I got just... fifty feet of cord. See? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. And then the, the kickoff, so he's kicking here. So from, it's almost like a line of scrimmage just exactly. five yards apart. So he can't, they this, can't move until he catches. See, there's not much lead up there. Yeah. That's soft. I don't know if it's soft. Soft. My XFL has collisions. <laughs> Jamie likes the first version. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, can't, <laughs> you can't call There's no fair catch. You can't call, call a fair catch. You just get <laughs> Do you remember how, how, it, how, it, how it originally started? Where it was like uh, a one-on-one. Yeah. You like know, Oklahoma run. They'd run for it's the football. Ridiculous. First guy, I think, broke his leg or something. Probably. <laughs> I'm not joking. Google right. that. I bet you one of the first games, somebody like tore their knee or broke their leg. Well, Jeff Brom had his uh, his head on sideways after one play. Came back next week and he goes, "Is this not the XFL? <laughs> this is the XFL." What's trending is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I am Andrew March, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Jason Tatum. Not only did he drop 55 points at the NBA All-Star Game, but he's coming out with a new shoe called the Jordan Tatum 1. It is the lightest basketball shoe on the Jordan Performance basketball line. Quite the weekend for St. Louis's own Jason Tatum. He's a star. He's a star. He has been a star. He's, he's, he's reaching that superstar level. Had 27 points in the third quarter alone which allowed to break the, the, the old, old all-star scoring record of 52 set by Anthony Davis in 2017. But, yeah, the, lo- the local product has been a star for a while, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully he adds that ring at some point. Yeah, great performance. I mean, look, at the, there's very little defense that's played in the all-star game, which means a lot of other individuals had every opportunity to put up big numbers, and they didn't. And Jason Tatum, I mean, he's a star in the NBA. So, uh, all I mean, nothing but congratulations to him, and it's not a bad, uh, not a bad way to introduce a new shoe is uh, to go out there and absolutely tear it up against the NBA's best players. No kidding. According to uh, Mike Florio, a source tells Mike Florio that Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, uh, wants more than what the Giants have offered him. Uh, as much as $45 million what an per year. Idiot. Get out. If, if you're the Giants, you have to hold strong on this. You cannot. <laughs> what is Danny Dimes doing? You cannot give Daniel Jones $45 million per year and expect to build a team around him. You have, to, you have to move on. As rough as that would be coming off a playoff appearance, you cannot give that to him based on last year alone. He's he was a mobile quarterback that had his best year, but you have to trust if you're if you're the GM, you have to trust that your coaching staff 
can get that, that, that similar production out of another veteran free agent that is looking for an opportunity than to give Daniel Jones 45 mil. See ya. And good luck getting that on the open market, dude. Daniel Jones, listen, he's getting some bad advice right now. Uh, he's a completely unproven NFL quarterback from the standpoint of every single year, every single game, every single person says, well, I don't know if it's Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, if the Giants can just uh, keep the ball out of Jan- Daniel Jones' hand. or not, uh, Daniel Jones is limited. I can't believe what Brian Dable did with Daniel Jones. If you hear enough of that, how do you have the audacity to say, I'm worth $45 million? What a playoff game. Are you out of your... Mind? Apparently. What? If I'm Daniel Jones and I'm getting anywhere, well, I mean, God, imagine playing for $40 million. If I'm getting $40 million or $35 million from the Giants, I'm going, yep, yes, please. Okay. Or fine, but I want two years at, let's say, $30 million. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting guaranteeing myself $60 million, but now I'm going to say, look, now I'm going to prove to you that I can be your NFL quarterback. Sure. You got to trust me more, though. You got to put the ball in my hands. You got to build some plays around, like, promoting me, like, showing you what I can do. You've kept me safe and you've protected me and all that stuff. But if I'm going to give you some kind of a deal here, if I want to be here, you're going to have to, in return, let me actually be an NFL number one quarterback. Mm -hmm. But this is silliness. Guys, the Indianapolis Colts are expected to hire Jim Bob Cooter as their new offensive coordinator, a league source confirmed to The Athletic today. What are your thoughts on what the Colts are building? Anthony, I know that was your favorite team heading into this previous season. Will it be your favorite team heading into next season? I'm boycotting them. They don't have Jeff Saturday anymore. I'm done. Yeah, he did well for them. (laughs) I think Marsh... You want a game, Anthony? What are you talking uh, about? That they'll need an OC again in about a year or two. That's what I think. What has Jim Bob Cooter done? He's had opportunities <laughs> Apart before. from having an amazing name. <laughs> Outside of having an amazing name that everybody remembers, yeah. unfortunately. Can anybody tell me what offense he runs? No. Uh, the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Colts plays for them. Uh, the, the, Colts, the Colts are in a tough spot. They, they need a quarterback. Now, they have a top five pick, correct? Yeah, they do. They have to. I've looked this up 42 times now. I think they have the they have fourth th- pick? Third. Yes, they do. They have a fourth pick. Is it fourth? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So they're going to be in position to draft their quarterback of the future. I don't I don't know if Jim Bob Cooter makes a, a lot of sense for them. Uh, but, you know, hey, go, go for it, kid. You'll be, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be Shane Steichen's offense, so don't forget. So if, I, I'm assuming he's going to call the plays. Because if he doesn't, why else hire him? But if he doesn't call the plays, then you probably got issues here if you're the Colts. We talked about this on Friday, and it wasn't made official, but Eric Bieniemy to Washington, yeah. taking over the commanders. Who do you believe has the... The Well, I guess now that things are somewhat over, who made the best hire in terms of adding coaching this offseason this offseason yeah denver oh yeah denver by a long shot Mm -hmm. uh with the acquisition of course of sean payton they they did the best everybody else is a remain to be seen and i don't i don't i'm not avoiding the the conversation here but shane steichen the oc of the eagles he did amazing things over the last two years with jalen hurts over the last year specifically you don't have a quarterback right now. And if it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis, he's still – there's 
he steps, he steps into one of the, the most challenging aspects in the NFL, which means you have to develop this guy. You have to develop the quarterback. Well, maybe he wants that, though. Maybe he wants it. Yeah. Jonathan Gannon, the D.C. out in Arizona. Well, he's the D.C. in Philadelphia. Now he's the head coach in, in, Philadelphia, in uh, Arizona. A lot of people seem to, to like him. Not a great game plan in the Super Bowl, as Jamie has pointed out oh. oftentimes. There's there's a lot of holes to that game if you if you go back and kind of look through how the Eagles performed against top quarterbacks. Frank Reich, I, how did he improve the Colts over the last couple of years? Now you can you could say well he just, he didn't have the quarterback fair, but that team got worse progressively worse under under him. Now yeah. he goes to, to Carolina. They don't have a quarterback. This is the biggest challenge. So Denver's far and away the the best in the best spot here because they got Sean Payton, a proven winner that we know what he can do offensively. Everybody else is just wait and see. You mentioned Jonathan Gannon. The last time we saw a defensive coordinator in the Super Bowl get embarrassed was Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. He and then went he looked to good in Detroit. Yeah, you know, he did fantastic. Yeah. You know, so good that he then got promoted back with the Patriots you know, to offensive coordinator. <laughs> and then demoted. Within within three years, if you can alienate all your players and the media, you're doing well. And not win And games. not win. Yeah. If you're winning and you do all that, well, mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, I don't care. That guy's a champion. Right. But when you're not, that guy's a, yeah. you know what? That guy's a Bill Belichick wannabe without any of the wins. Without any of the ability. That's a problem. Does... Does it make sense for the Blues to hang on to Ivan Barbashev, considering they traded Ryan O'Reilly and they traded Noel Char and they traded Vladimir Tarasenko? I would say no, but Jamie, you had thrown out something last week about when the right time might be to trade in Ivan Barbashev. That's next on 101 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, I'm very disappointed that Ryan O'Reilly is gone, but I think Armstrong pulled off another great trade, getting a lot of assets for a team that's fairly desperate to show some success. So I'm going to trust Army because he's done it in the past, and I think we're going to work out pretty well on this. So I'm okay, disappointed. Watching the Blues this past weekend was really rough. Looks like they're looking for an identity, but I'm all in. That was Carl. Good to see you. Appreciate the mic drops. Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. If you want to participate, you can. Just leave us a mic drop via your 101 sports app, and uh, you have an opportunity to hear it right off, just like just like Carl. It is, uh, it is a good point, Jamie. Doug Armstrong has done this before. Uh-huh. He has made moves that have put Blues in, uh, in, a, in a position to win, but this, this is a pretty big transition, and it's really the, it's the first transition since the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is uh, completing a transition. 
I think. I think the first transition was obviously Alex Petrangelo, then David Prawn, Oscar Sundquist, all those guys kind of moving on from the Blues. And now Tarasenko, O'Reilly, like you're, you're closing the chapter, right? in my opinion. I know you still have some, you have Braden Shen and, you know, get some guys still from that team. But overall, you're kind of closing the chapter on that championship group. Um, yeah, it, it is a great point by Carl. You have to trust Doug Armstrong. I mean, this is a guy that since he's taken over, he's had a winning record. Uh, since, he, since Doug Armstrong has taken over this team, the team has been in the conversation. Not every year for Stanley Cup, but a very competitive team. A successful team in the last decade plus. So you got to trust them. You know, things didn't work out this year. You made some decisions. It probably, you know, in the last couple of years that uh, just like anybody else who makes decisions who runs a company, not every one of them is a home run. And so now instead of sitting there and um, making it worse, he's recognized that it's time to, you know, restart this thing a little bit. He's got some really good pieces in place for an extended period of time. And now he has a ton of draft picks available to do whatever he chooses. Ivan Barbashev. There's yeah. really there's really no reason, Jamie, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound cruel here, but look, you, you traded Vladimir Tarasenko, you traded Ryan O'Reilly, you traded Nolan Chari. Those are three players that are that were un, unrestricted, will be unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Ivan Barbashev is another one. Ivan Barbashev, I would imagine, Jamie, is also going to be a pretty hot commodity. Now, you made the point last week, if Doug Armstrong holds on to Barbie th- through – really another week or so the march deadline or the trade deadline is march 3rd it would make sense after teams some teams miss out on tarasenko or o'reilly or timo meyer or some of these other guys that could be available we also know jonathan taves won't be won't be traded because he's still dealing with health ramifications coming off coming off covid he's not going to be dealt so there's a name that that you can strike off the list of potential trade cross targets him off you can cross him off then mm-hmm. Ivan Barbashev is gonna is gonna have a market here. Does it make sense to hold on to him until the until maybe the the last until the window is almost closed? I would. I mean, as of right now, your team you need bodies in your lineup. First of all, <laughs> you've got uh, O'Reilly and Achara. You just traded. You got Saad Buchnevich and now Jake Neighbors that are on the IR. Not great. Yeah, not great. So you need some bodies that to be around here but greater than that is the fact that i think the market will dry up for certain teams and all i mean by that is o'reilly's now traded tarasenko is now traded timo meyer soon to be traded now all of a sudden you're going to be into that next level so not the top tier you mean to the second tier of player and ivan barbashev who is a second tier player he might actually get you first tier return and what i mean by that is Somebody who was in the market for an O'Reilly or a Jonathan Taze, that uh, that dependable centerman slash winger that plays up and down your lineup, penalty kill, power play, physical presence, has the ability to score some goals, that's Ivan Barbashev. And if, if you're a team like, let's say, the Boston Bruins, you don't think adding an Ivan Barbashev helps your team? Absolutely it does. And that team saw what Ivan Barbashev can do when it comes time for playoffs and, and let alone Stanley Cup time, Ivan Barbashev had a massive impact on every series that he played in. So that's just isolating the Boston Bruins, but there'll be other teams that are looking for a guy like Barbie. And so if I'm Doug Armstrong, um, I'm holding on. I'm waiting. Because right now, I, I think realistically, you get a second, 
round pick and maybe a mid to lower level prospect, as this thing continues to move down the road, you might be able to get a first round pick. You really might be able to, depending on what team it is that's looking for it. Like we talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning the other day. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that I guarantee you are looking at Ivan Barbashev. One, they've got scouts at every game, but two, they need a guy like that right now. That's the one thing that they've always had in their lineup for the last you know, number of years, specifically when they're winning cups, is that dependable two-way forward that they can maximize. And when I look at this team, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning have a first-round pick in 2025. They don't have one this year or next year. Um, you know, what would they be willing to give up? I don't know. But it's a team that could use an Ivan Barbashev. So, for me, that's where you end up if you're the Blues, is hanging on to Barbie for as long as you can while the market um, sets itself, while assets start to disappear from other teams, and then all of a sudden your guy becomes the best guy out there, and now you're sitting there and you're taking offers. Let's go. Who's got the biggest, best offer? Because it's time for me to move Ivan Barbashev. Well, you had mentioned two teams that have either been to a cup or have won a cup in Boston and Tampa recently. I think the other thing that if you look at Toronto, and you had mentioned this in the in the first segment, Jamie, one of the things that must have been so attracted, attractive uh, to Toronto when it comes to Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari, Ryan O'Reilly won a cup. He's got playoff experience. Nolachari also has postseason experience. Ivan Barbashev, postseason experience, has won a cup. He knows what it takes. Boston and Tampa have that on their roster already. I wonder if a, if a team that has been – not not Toronto that that has had you know postseason runs that, that have not had postseason runs they've been they've been getting there but they haven't been get out in the first round but teams that just can't get over the hump say say to themselves we'll we'll pay the freight bring in a guy that's got cup experience remember this name right now the Carolina Hurricanes <clears throat> okay the Carolina Hurricanes have the cap space right now they've got uh, current cap space ten million dollars available on their cap and that's a full roster that they've got there. They were in the running-ish for someone like Vladimir Tarasenko. They um, certainly they lost Max Pacioretty. Max, Max Pacioretty carried uh, a salary cap hit of $7 million. So in theory, the Hurricanes can add up to $7 million in player cap space. Now, Ivan Barbashev isn't that. But the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that value players like Ivan Barbashev. And he put that guy in that lineup, and maybe you add another guy like Ivan Barbashev for $2.53 million. Now you've got $6 million spent of that $7 million, and you've got a real cup. They're a cup contender right now. And Max Pacioretty hasn't even played, what, half a game or three-quarters of a game for them. So I would say keep an eye on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they've got um, first-round pick this year, next year, and the following year. And in 2024, they have two second-round picks. They've got a lot of draft picks available. So if the Carolina Hurricanes look at things and go, hmm, we believe we're a cup contender right now, they might be willing to part with some of these draft picks in order to solidify their roster and add a guy like Ivan Barbashev. Your Battlehawks had a come-from-behind, dramatic come-from-behind victory yesterday over the San Antonio Brahmas in their first game of the rebooted XFL and Battlehawk safety. Chris Cooper, who led the team with seven tackles, will join us at 345 today. What? So We Coop, got a Battlehawk? That's right. Chris Cooper joining us at 345 today here in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalzer. Could the new rules hurt the Cardinals? We're going to dive into that next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Saracen, Katie Wu of The Athletic wrote today that with the Cardinals starters lacking strikeout stuff, Major League rules, the real changes, it could be an issue for your Cardinals overall. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalzer. St. Louis starting pitchers, Jamie, enter the 2023 season with one of the lowest swing and miss rates in all of baseball. And despite the fact that baseball has emphasized strikeouts, whiff rate, and swing and miss percentage, the Cardinals have stuck with their methods when it comes to pinpointing pitchers that will generate weak contact. We know this. We, this is this is a team that doesn't mind that the ball is put in play a lot. They've got a, an excellent defense. And it's why last year, the Card, even though the Cardinals starting pitchers finished the 22-22 season, uh, lowest strikeouts per nine, when it comes to the ratio in baseball and the lowest number of total strikeouts, they have stuck with this. Yeah. The new rules, though, are going to emphasize the ball being put in play more, potentially. And when the ball is put in play more, they they have limited the shift. They've banned the shift. So do you think that the new rules are going to impact the Cardinals? No, not at all. Just because the defense is in place. Well, Yeah, okay. But what's the first thing you said? It's going to put the ball in play more? It should. That's what they do anyways as Cardinal pitchers. Mm-hmm. What about the shift, though? I'm not worried about it. you got Brenton Donovan, and you've got Tommy Edmond, and you've got Nolan frickin' Arenado. And Goldschmidt. Well, Goldie, yeah, yeah. of course. I wasn't like, but I'm just saying if there's— Did you leave him out? I wasn't leaving him out, but he's the first baseman. He, you know, He's usually the guy that covers a little less area because he's got to get to the bag, Anthony. I know the pitcher's supposed to get over there, too. I get it's it. And the catcher's supposed to back him up, okay? Position. I understand. My point is, is you have an elite infield when it comes to defense. Nothing changes. In my opinion, nothing changes for the Cardinals because you haven't relied upon swing and miss for the last two years. Maybe longer. I don't even know. can't remember. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. So you still have Jack Flaherty, who's your your guy, or hopefully your guy. The rest are, are pitched to contact. So that new rule, quite honestly, it's going to hurt teams that have terrible defense. So some of the teams last year, who was it? The Braves did not have a great defensive infield. Pirates had a terrible well, defense. That's how, but, Anthony, keep it to teams that are, like, that re- made moves, that relevant. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. G-Man Joy. But the Braves did not have a very good defensive infield. That's just one team. You're going to have some teams that are that have relied upon the shift to hide defensive inabilities. And now you're not going to be able to hide them as much. So, for me... I'm actually less worried about the Cardinals. I actually feel like they're going to win more games because of the new rules. Nothing Did, changes for the pitchers, and you have elite defense. This is this could go one of two ways for the Cardinals. It can either blow up in their face because they don't have the swing and miss, or like you just said, they can they can rely upon the fact that they have elite defense, and other teams have basically cut corners, knowing they've got the shift in place and they can have they can have offensive players. At, at potentially premium defensive spots, second base, shortstop, center field. Like, you got to be strong up the middle. The Cardinals are strong defensively everywhere. 
there really isn't a spot defensively where they're where they're in a where they're in well, a lot of trouble. Where they're below average. Even if you say, well, what about catcher? We'll say it's, Wilson Contreras is a drop off from Yadier Molina. That's not to say that Wilson Contreras is a bad defensive catcher. No. He went from below average to average to eh, he's probably about but slightly above average in terms of catching. Pitch framing might be a little bit different, but the guy the guy did catch. He wasn't at this. Good he luck w- stealing on him. It, absolutely. And he, it's not like he was the the last catcher. He wasn't behind the play when the Cubs f- won the World Series. But he was the catcher throughout that entire postseason and obviously the the, the regular season as well. He's no he's no schmuck behind the play. No. You have you have defensive. You don't have any defensive liabilities. Period. We'll see a little bit on Tommy Edmonds' range, but he should be fine. And the outfield, you're good too. Tyler O'Neill's got got tons of speed. Dylan Carlson can handle center for you. If he can't hit and you got to transition Tyler O'Neill to center field, you feel pretty comfortable there. And then Lars Newport plays a, plays a really good right field. And Newt is fine. And he's and, and how many times did he gun down runners at third or, or at home last year? So at least your 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 top element, your top strength is defense. I'll go a step further here too. Are we sure that the new the new shift rules won't help the Cardinals offensively? If this team does have an approach of you and I hope they do. Use the entire field. Less launch angle to try to get the ball out over the wall. Yeah. And more, let's use the entire field. Are we sure it won't help them? Now, they're going to put it in play, but this is not a team that strikes out a ton. So if you look at it the other way, and the ball's put in play a lot more, maybe you won't have to become overly reliant on Paul Goldschmidt being an MVP. I'd rather have a more complete offense and no MVP what? than a guy that's good, that's got to carry you for more, most of the season or take turns carrying you with one other player. Yeah. No, I agree. I think if the Cardinals um, uh, have put together a game plan, a smart game plan, which I'm sure they have, uh, it includes guys putting the ball in play. Hey, Tyler O'Neill. you don't have to hit the upper deck every time. With your speed, if you hit a gap, that's a double. Even a marginal single can be exciting for a guy like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Just make contact, dude. He's got enough speed to get there too. So I agree. I think the Cardinals have enough, you know, contact, enough contact hitters mm-hmm. in order to do some damage. Now they they're still going to need Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado to do those things, and it'd be nice if Tyler O'Neill recaptured some of that form from a couple of years ago. That helps a ton. And Contreras, you know, if he if he comes in and is the offensive guy you think he can be, then all of that helps. It's going to really help, too, if you get guys on base. Mm-hmm. What does BT always say? It, you get a couple of guys on base, you get somebody who can cash them in. That's the biggest thing. And the Cardinals, at times, have not had that ability to where they have guys on the bags. They end up guy hitting a, a ding-dong Johnson and nobody's on base. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know, with the guys that they have and with the shift being limited – the Cardinals have enough speed too, like a a ground ball to an area uh, maybe up the middle of the field where it's harder to get to for that shortstop because he's not able to just stand there and receive it. He's got to get to it. He's got to control it. He's got to get it clean over to first base with a guy like Tyler O'Neill or Tommy Ed- Tommy Edmond or even Brendan Donovan ripping down first baseline. I don't know. I think yeah. you can see some of those ground balls turn into base hits. Yeah, this again, this could have the potential to blow up in the Cardinals' faces, but there, there's got to be a reason, too, that a very smart, say what you want, but a very smart organization has decided 
to to stick with guys that that are are, are you know contact first. We'll as see far if as they the tra- pitching staff. Yeah, and we'll, but we'll see if it transitions too. But why would it hurt them? Like I don't understand how. I don't understand how this hurts the Cardinals. Just because the ball is in play more. If it's not in, if it's not put in play more, and you have strikeouts, and you have to worry about base runners. Well, no That's kidding. The idea. I mean, everybody you, would like to asked. have that. I understand, but you asked, Jamie. You no, asked, I'm not, what, I'm how not could arguing that with you, Anthony. Not oh, this okay. time. I'm arguing with the thought of I'm it. So used to it. It's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm not. I guess I'm not arguing. I'm debating the thought of it mm-hmm. because this is what you've had, and, and you've been good defensively. And you were able to incorporate the shift. Now, I know you don't have the shift, uh, but you got guys who are athletic. I think that that's going to play a big part in the Cardinals' success this year. And you, you have guys in Arenado and in – I mean, really, well, you're in time. Look at the range Are you kidding me? He, he, it's not like you've needed a shift. No, you can shift over as far as you can to second base on some of those and let Arenado just go to work over there. Mm-hmm. But now you don't have to worry about that. Well, huh? now you can't. Well, you can shift a guy over to second base. You can't shift him past it. You're allowed to move your shortstop over towards second base, Anthony. Oh my God. Well, yeah, you can, but why would you leave that? Why would you leave that gap there, Jamie? Well, if it's a left-handed batter, you want to take care of all that area. Never mind. You don't get it. You got, you got gold glovers on that side. It's already taken care of. I don't know what your problem is today. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stolitzer, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Are the Packers done with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I would be. I would be too. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. to Bob McGinn, who is tied in to the Packers and has been for a very long time. He's Right now he's with Go Long. Bob McGinn believes the Packers are quote-unquote done with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love will be the team starter in 2023. McGinn, again, longtime Packers beat writer, says he's got first-hand knowledge of the situation, added the team is disgusted with Rodgers and they feel as though the four-time MVP didn't put enough effort into leading the team in 2022. Begin also highlighted the team's infatuation with Love, saying they think he's the second coming now and Green Bay trading Aaron Rodgers is inevitable. We always have to remember... Who is this guy? Bob McGinn. He discovered... I think he was with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for a long time. The team's infatuated with Jordan Love? So where does this inf- so where does this information him. where does this information come from? Well done, <laughs> well Marsh. Played, Marcy. Anytime, anytime there's any sort of report like this, you, you have to kind of keep in mind. Okay, where's the information coming from? Yeah. And if I'm thinking about it from that perspective, Jamie, that I believe fully that the Packers are done with Aaron Rodgers. No, I don't think they're done. This, no, nope. th- come I on. I think what they're doing is uh, somebody in the organization. What they do, Anthony, is they filter little things to some of their best beat writers, mm-hmm. and they say, hey. Why don't you send this out there? And that's going to force Aaron Rodgers to say, I want to trade. And now they can say, well, we wanted to bring him back, but he wanted to trade. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't believe a word of this. Well, it's rubbish. What I'm saying is, Jamie, I think you and I are actually saying the same same thing here. Guys taking how many snaps in the NFL? About four. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're infatuated with that. All right. Well, Well, I can't get enough of that. Four snaps. 
you start to say things like this so that you you brace the fan base for trading an icon like Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Not that the fan base isn't aware of the fact and you that replace he went him down with to the, Jordan Love. Hey, you might as well replace him with something. Wouldn't you be done? This guy was at the Phoenix Open a couple of weeks ago saying, yeah, the Raiders fans are chanting here, and they're saying, you, you'd look good with Devontae Adams. I mean, it's pretty fun. And you replace him with Jordan Love. I don't care if they replace him with uh, a broom that's shoved into a, a bucket. Whoa, Anthony. Whoa. And say, boom, there's your next quarterback. No. At least he's not some DB. Whoa. And I don't mean defensive back. Um, I think if you move on from Aaron Rodgers, you have to get an established quarterback in Green Bay. You do. You got Jordan Love. He's no. been in the, the league for a while now. Yeah. Anthony, stop. Green Bay's not going to sit there and put all their eggs in one basket and say, it's Jordan Love time now. Well, no matter what you do. It's time for love. No matter what you do, Jamie, you're going you're gonna to be stepping down. Whether you go to Derek, Derek Carr, you go to Jimmy Garoppolo. It'll be better. Better-ish. Don't yeah. you have to see what you have in Jordan Love, though? You invested a first-round pick in this guy. You sat him behind Bain for a couple of years. What? It's possible that he's good. It's possible. Aaron Rodgers wasn't that great. He was terrible the first couple of years. Yeah. Packer fans were like, really? You're going to replace Brett Favre with this guy? That, well, Same exact scenario. Aaron Rodgers had a better college career than Jordan Love. Like, there was way more upside in Aaron Rodgers than Jordan Love. That may be. He Not was may, terrible. It's fact. He was terrible the first couple of years. It's not Jordan. Jordan Love wasn't wasn't bad. There's a reason why he was a first round pick. Really? He had more upside. Yes, he could have been the number one pick that year. He also fell to what twenty three or whatever it was. Well, that's because he's such a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be done. I would be done with him too. I'm done with him. I don't think the Packers should keep him. Trust me. I'm not sitting here lobbying for the Packers to hang on to Aaron Rodgers. I can't stand the guy. Maybe if I met him, maybe it would be different. I don't know. I think it would be worse. It might be worse. Correct. Uh, But based on that, I just don't know if I'm a a franchise like the Green Bay Packers that have gone from Favre to Rodgers. And I know there was a, a period of time where Rodgers wasn't great at the start. But now he is. And he has been to then have that drop-off again to Jordan Love. to He's a, a massive question mark. Like, I just don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what you do, ultimately, I, as a I team. Think you, I think you play the kid. I think you play him. What if he's terrible? Then you need a new quarterback. You're in the same spot you are now. But, you, you again, you invested a first-round pick in him. I, you know what Derek Carr is. You know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Yeah. You know what Jameis Winston is. You know what Baker Mayfield is. You know what Andy Dalton is. I would not I'm be just going, going down. The, I'm going down the list of available quarterbacks. Quite honestly, you I'd know be going these in the direction are. of a Jimmy G um, without a massive contract right there because Jimmy G coming off injury and whatnot, I think you can get him at a reasonable price and you have no expectations, meaning that, hey, Jimmy G, you're the guy right now, but Jordan Love is really, truly going to be competing with you in – the offseason and in the you know mm-hmm. whatever training camps training and, camps yeah. and all that stuff and he's going to get opportunity bottom line but at least you have somebody who you can go if you're if you if you are a competitive type team and Jordan Love isn't the guy at least you have a guy that can keep you winning some games I think he goes to the Jets we we're doing our predictions last week on this I think he goes to the Jets I think Michelle had him going to the Raiders Jimmy G mm-hmm. no Rogers oh, Rogers yeah 
You had him going back to Green Bay, right? I Marsh. did. I did. I have, Since then, I I don't think that's going to happen, especially this, it's still, it's still this report that came out. And, you know, no one seems to like the guy. I wouldn't really want to bring him back anyways. But it's fair. we got to keep things spicy, Anthony, you know, like the Russell Wilson sandwich he was trying to sell at Subway. Yeah. How about you stop selling sandwiches and start, I don't know, studying more football f- film? Just a thought. Not Kyler Murray. He's just not good. Do you think Jimmy G would want to play in Green Bay, though, with a quarter? It's like the same situation he was in with, with the 49ers. He's owned Green Bay, of course. Yeah. But, but I, what I'm saying is, why would he want another quarterback looming in the background? Well, he may have no choice, no matter where he signs, to be in that well, situation. I think if he went to an NFC South team, he would not have that problem. Where would he go? He'd go to Tampa Bay. He could literally go to any of See, those but teams. But I think that what's his name in Tampa would be nipping at his heels. Is it Blaine Gabbert? Oh boy. But they've but same situation though. At some point, some of these teams have to find out what they have. Well, Blaine Gabbert's been a he's been Is in the he league the guy long. Or no, no, it's not. It's uh, Kyle Trask. That's it, Kyle Trask. Why yeah. did I say Blaine Gabbert? Because he was there at one point. Uh, I meant Kyle Trask. So he's sitting there, and the the Buccaneers. Of course, he's playing behind Tom Brady. I just feel like no matter where Jimmy G goes, he's going to have somewhat of a competition with a younger guy that that team probably already has. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be inter- it's gonna be a fascinating. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert was there last year, but I don't think it's under contract. Kyle no, Trask Kyle is, Trask is yeah. the guy. I read about. I don't know why I said. Well, Blaine. again, he was there. He was. I'm it's just, not like I'm upset with myself. No, Anthony. you're fine, Jamie. He was literally there from 2019 to last year, so it's all good. Jamie, you had a long weekend. Yeah. Right. You were traveling. I know. You're I, doing I stuff, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. So off season is gonna be fascinating from a quarterback standpoint. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, we're still taking your Blues mic drops on the Ryan O'Reilly trade. How do you feel about the trade? How do you feel about the state of the organization? This this has signal. If, if the Vladimir Tarasenko trade didn't signal a transition, this one certainly did. And Jamie and I were talking about you dealing Ivan Barbashev at some point, too. What are your thoughts? Leave us a mic drop, and we'll continue to talk about it. We also need a gauntlet mm-hmm. contestant. So if you want to play in the gauntlet, 314-399-9646, you probably get a win unless you take on Marsh. Marsh has been red hot, but uh, Jamie and I have been oh boy next to garbage. Should we go over the, yeah, like the record ahead. real Absolutely. quick? I don't Marsh. think I've You've won. It. I don't oh, think I don't, I, I'm not trying to tout myself. I'm I just think trying I've to give you know, like a, a little update for the I've listeners. I don't think I've won once in 2.0. You have. Okay. Yeah, you won random. You are now 1-6. That's unbelievable. Wow. I'm oh. terrible too. I'm wow. terrible too. Wow, times changed, yeah. Anthony. Zero oh, and three in football. Uh, Anthony, you are two and six. Oh God. Uh, our show guest, uh, when we have you know people fill in, uh, two and two. Uh, I am eight and three, which feels wow. good. Feels good after how bad I was. You had the oh, toughest category trivia. though. Well, it's tough. Was but it though? This Marsh, you were you were a, a pop that yeah. we like. You were behind a bad offensive line. No supporting cast, and you tried your best. Now that you've moved on to another team, mm-hmm. and you've and you've gotten the support around you, yeah, you're thriving. Well, that's the most important thing is the offensive line, Anthony. Of course, <laughs> thank you. You know, you need to get those guys in order before you go to the the, the skill positions. I mean, Abs- absolutely, you've been preaching it for forever. But uh, right now, we 
are 13 and 6. Or I'm sorry, 13 and 16 against the listener. That's a losing no record. Yeah. We have a losing record. I don't in, like that. The gauntlet. 2. So yeah, if you want to play the in the gauntlet again, three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six, you have an opportunity to play in the gauntlet in about fifteen minutes. But coming up next, Chris Cooper, Battlehawks defensive back, led the team yesterday with seven tackles. What was it like to experience that that comeback in Week One over the Brahmas? Chris Cooper, Battlehawk safety next on one one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one oh one ESPN. What a day it was for your St. Louis Battlehawks yesterday as they come from behind to beat the San Antonio Brahmas in their first game back from uh, the rebooted XFL. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. And joining us right now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is the man who led your Battlehawks in tackles, Chris Cooper. Seven tackles yesterday in, again, the come-from-behind victory. And, Chris, first of all, congratulations on the victory and second of all thank you so much for joining us taking the time today hey thank you guys for having me pleasure to be on chris uh pleasure's all ours so it's, walk us through it. it it's your first game and the the offense while struggling throughout it comes alive in the in the in about two minutes there but you guys defensively kept kept everybody in the game what was it like being on the sidelines when aj mccarron and Prol hooked up for the fourth fourth and 15 uh, it was amazing, and uh, it gave the team, it definitely gave the defense uh, a jolt of life. Um, we felt confident that they was going to make something happen, and, and they did. When you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint, Chris, you've got absolutely no game film on the opposition. What's it like to prepare for a team that you're playing against where it's completely unknown like that? Um, it was pretty difficult uh, at first, but we just we went off the off the film from 2020 from the offensive coordinator. I believe he was with the Tampa Bay team at the time, so we just mainly just game plan off of that film right there, and it worked out to be pretty good. Chris, what, what's it like from your your experience? You played college ball. Uh, you went to the NFL. I know you, you were with the Chiefs as, from a practice squad standpoint. You were with the Falcons at one point. What, what's it like to you know work your work your way now to the XFL? Uh, what's the experience like overall now that you've got a taste of it? Um, it's a pretty fun experience. Um, it, when I say fun, like I really mean fun from the rules from the the coaching from just the excitement that the XFL brings um it's i enjoy it i really do enjoy it and also just to add like just being from coming from the NFL into the XFL it's, it's humbling and it definitely keeps you keeps you in grind mode Chris, uh, you know, you're starting on the road here, uh, what, two or three games, three games on the road before you get your first home game here in St. Louis. I'm sure you've heard of the great amount of support that the Battlehawks fans had for the original group of guys here. Uh, are you excited to get here to St. Louis and to play in front of these fans? Yes, I can't wait. The team can't wait. We're ready to go. We, we're trying to come home with a 3-0 with a and record. 
so we can just turn up the stadium as soon as we get there. Building off what Jamie just asked you, Chris, and Chris Cooper, Battlehawks defensive back, again, led the team yesterday in tackles with seven. Chris, what did what did you hear about uh, the Battlehawks and, and the St. Louis experience before you were you were selected by them? Um, I didn't know too much about the Battlehawks. Um, I just after after I received the call from Coach Anthony Beck, uh, I just I, I, did a, I did a little bit of research. And then I was just I was just so ready I was so ready to come play and prepare for whatever they had coming for me. So Chris Anthony Becht is is your head coach NFL experience. Bruce Gradkowski played at Toledo had a, had a good decorated career at Toledo. He went on he had he had some starts uh, in the the NFL as well for the Bucks and I believe the Browns. Ricky Prohl, one of uh, the fan favorites here in St. Louis for his time with the greatest show on turf. You've Leroy, Leroy Glover. I mean you you've got some guys that played in the NFL. What's it like to kind of lean on them as as you're you're in your first year at the XFL? Um, it, it's a, it means a lot. Um, they've been there. They can give us all that. They can give me and uh, the team a lot of advice on what to expect, how to handle certain situations, and and also our DB coach um, Abraham, Coach Abraham. He's he played with Tampa Bay for he he led uh, things like top five NFL history and picks. So we have a great staff. We they support us. They make sure we're prepared for everything. That's right. Uh, Donnie Abraham decorated career with with the Bucks and then spent some time with the Jets too. I was I, I, I should have mentioned him too. Chris, we we had read that uh, that you had a large water pipe at one point that came off a shelf. You were working construction back in 2013. Can you talk about the the injury? What had happened? And then I mean that's that's pretty impressive for you to battle back, play college ball, and, and kind of look back to where you are now. I mean. Uh, the adversity in in your life to to battle through to where you were yesterday. What what was what was that experience like working through that? Um, it was it was a very it was a very difficult experience. Um, I, I was only working just for like a summer job until I was I was planning to go to prep school. So I just wanted to um, just ha- I just get a little bit of money in my pocket, and then uh, it was just a free accident at work with. Like you said, a water pipe. I didn't. I never even seen how big or or what the type of pipe was. But um, I'm I'm just blessed to still be here. Um, I didn't need any surgery. I, I had broke my leg in two places, and I had eight staples in my head. So it was just I was just blessed to be here. And then I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, a lot of people supporting me back at home that couldn't wait for me to get back rolling, and and just and they just showed a bunch of confidence in me, and just kept me in a positive mindset. And that's all I needed. Last thing for you, Chris. Again, Chris Cooper, Battlehawks defensive back, who led the team yesterday in tackles, joining us right now in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Uh, Chris, what are, what are your overall goals for this season with the Battlehawks? Um, I just want to, for the Battlehawks, me personally, um, I just want to give the best, the most maximum my uh, my opportunities, my efforts. And just for that, as, as a defense, we just want to be the number one defense, uh, defense in the league. Whether it's stopping the run, turnovers, passing, uh, uh, defending the pass, we just we're just so ready to get rolling. <laughs> Well, I know yesterday was certainly a great start for you, for you guys defensively. Again, kept kept the team in it, and uh, we're looking forward to not only watching you on Thursday, uh, but when you guys eventually return to St. Louis and play your first home game. Thank you so much for carving out some time with us. We appreciate it, and best of luck moving forward.
All right. Thank you. Battle Hawk Nation. We ready. There you go. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right. All right. That's Chris Cooper here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Excellent showing for the defense yesterday for the Battle Hawks and 18 to 15 winners as AJ McCarron and company come all the way back. And uh, they utilized the rules that are in place to set them up. They, they converted a three point play on, on an extra extra point. They also converted and they chose instead of an onside kick. If you missed it yesterday, when they were trailing, you have an opportunity in the fourth quarter, if you're tied or trailing, where you could do an onside kick or you can attempt a fourth and 15 from, the, from your own 25-yard line. If you miss, obviously the team that your opponent takes over at the 25-yard line, so you're kind of screwed. But same deal with an onside kick. It's only you know a matter of maybe 25 to 30 yards. So they convert a fourth and 15 and then wind up uh, winning the game on a A.J. McCarron to, to Prol touchdown. It's a heck of a pass, too. It was. Right it was, in between two defenders. It was excellent. Good concentration on the catch. Certainly. I like it. Nice start for our Battle Hawks. Game two, Thursday night, they take on the Seattle Dragons. Danucci is their quarterback. Remember Ben Danucci? I do. Got a couple of games in with the Cowboys. Josh Gordon, former NFL player, too. Oh, there's a guy that Seattle. comes to us without any problems. What? He's a Seattle Dragon. You could say whatever you want. Or, yeah. sorry, Sea Dragon. The Sea Dragons. Do you like their uniforms? What is a Sea Dragon, anyways? Is that like. What is Apparently, that? it's a cousin. Maybe it's a cousin to the Kraken. Is it distant just, cousin, or maybe it's up. a um, an enemy of the Kraken? I don't think so. I think it might be. I think they're brothers. Mm. See, I think they're rivals. The Sea Dragon and the Kraken. Yeah. Nah. I, what would Anthony, you rather be, Anthony? A I think you're wrong on this or a one. Sea Dragon. I'd rather be a Kraken. Yeah. Okay. I mean, th- those things are nasty, or that thing is nasty. Now, would I have a troll be my mascot? No. Oh, Bowie. <laughs> Good God. Why'd you go buoy? I don't know. I mean, I get the whole, like, in the water thing, but this is it, right. what are we doing here? Why don't you have, like, an actual crack and be the mascot or something? Yeah. Not an actual crack. Well, it's I don't think up. you can be because dangerous. the Red Wings have an octopus as their mascot. Yeah, but they're not called the crack. Yeah. Right, but I think it could be a little confusing. More confusing so the, than so having a troll, troll named Bowie. Bowie's <laughs> doing a great job at scaring other teams. Yeah, he, he scared the Blues into a rebuild. But if you <laughs> what the hell? Or a retool? Not, my it's bad. Not wrong. It's, uh, something. <laughs> the Gauntlet is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Survive the gauntlet. Time for the gauntlet, or as some of you might refer to it, the cakewalk here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 401, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have Rick, who's our latest contestant. What's up, Rick? Hey, guys, how you doing? Things are great over here. Have you been listening to Gauntlet 2.0? I have. I'm a big, uh, big time, a long time listener and a fan favorite of the show. Oh, well, we appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate that. Have you been on the Gauntlet before? Never. All right, so we got a first timer here. Yeah, I play it every day, but I play it with myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. 
appreciate you bringing those to the, that to the airwaves. It is a family show, though. We'll want to remind you of that. Yeah. Uh, Rick, you have your opportunity to choose your <laughs> opponent today. It could be Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself. And then the wheel will pick your category. Who would you like to play today? All right, let's go with... Uh... I'll save the big boys for last. No offense, Marsh. I'll go for Marsh. Oh, Marsh has oh, wow. got the best record in Gauntlet 2.0. That's right. I got to take a bound quick. Okay. All right, I like one. this. All right. So um, you're going to say one, two, three, spin that wheel, and then Marsh is going to walk out of here. So go ahead, Rick. All right. One, two, three, spin that wheel. All right, Rick, as the wheel is spinning, what's the category you're hoping for? Uh, I like football. Hockey's my favorite, but I also like Brandon Serbia. Okay, so, so you're you're good outside of baseball. It is not baseball, and despite the fact that the wheel has been hockey heavy, your category today is football. Foosball. I feel like we haven't had football in a while. So yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're getting the launch codes right now. Thank yeah. you, Jamie. Open up the sealed envelope here. Yep. All right. Thing is official here. So we got. Rick versus Marsh. Uh, Rick, if you need the options on any of these questions, just ask for them. Just know that instead of two points, the answers are worth one point. Are you ready? Let's go, boys. Question number one. After their most recent Super Bowl victory, Kansas City has appeared in how many Super Bowls in team history? How many have they appeared in? Oh, gosh. Uh... They were in the first one, and they won one under Hank Graham. And they've been in three, so I got to say, oh, man. My gut is telling me five. I'm going to go with five. Final answer? Final answer. Final answer. All right, Rick, question two. Only two quarterbacks have ever thrown for over 500 yards in an NFL playoff game. Tom Brady, of course, with 505 (laughs) yards. And which other quarterback? Wow. Man. uh, For whatever reason, I want to go with uh, the guy at from New Orleans, taking name forget. I can't remember his name. All right, give me the, give me the option. All right, is it Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, or Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, well, Drew Brees was the guy I had on my, on my mind. I'm gonna go with Drew Brees. Final answer. Final answer. All right. Question number three, Rick, aside from the upcoming NFL draft, how many times have the Bears selected first overall in the Super Bowl era? Oh, wow. Well, I'll need the options on that. Zero, one, or two? I just don't think they've ever been... I'm going with zero. I don't believe they have. Final, Final answer. answer zero. All right. Yeah. All right. 
Final question, Rick. Devontae, Devontae Smith and which other player led this past Super Bowl with seven rece- receptions? It's got to be Kelsey. You mean in the Super Bowl game? Yes, sir. Travis Kelsey. I have to, that's a no-brainer. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Rick. All right, we'll bring back Marsh right now into the gauntlet. How you feeling, Rick? Uh, I'm feeling okay. We'll a couple of them had me wondering, but I think I think I'm doing okay. All right, Marsh is coming in right now, putting on. Well, no, he's going to do the whole drink thing. Uh, he does this whole LeBron thing. Here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's working for the guy, so can't really criticize. All right, you ready, Marsh? All right, Marsh, you good? You need any more extra stretching? Yeah. Nope. Okay, I'm ready to go. All right, Marsh, your category today is football. All right, question number one. After their most recent Super Bowl victory, Kansas City has appeared in how many Super Bowls in team history? Could you repeat the question? After their most recent Super Bowl victory, Kansas City has appeared in how many Super Bowls in team history? All right, so we have three in the past few years, I believe. And you got to add the, uh, the first one. I believe they were in one other one because it was the first time they had won in like 50 years or something like that. So I'm thinking like five. I'm going to go with five. Final answer. Actually, no. Oh, I already said it. Yep. Okay. Five. You did say five. I did. Answer, That's Andrew. on me. Question two. Only two quarterbacks have ever thrown for over 500 yards in an NFL playoff game. Of course, one of them is Tom Brady with 505 yards. Who is the other quarterback? There's two, you said, say that one more time. Two quarterbacks have thrown for over 500 yards in an NFL playoff game. One being Tom Brady, two being who? Uh, First name that comes to mind is the quarterback that he played against in that Super Bowl was Nick Foles. Um, let's get the options, though, just to be safe. Was it Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, or Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, thank God I asked for the options. Um, ooh, Drew Brees. Anthony made a joke the other day about all the records that he broke, and then we just moved on within, like, two minutes. So let's go with Drew Brees. Final answer? Final answer. Question three, Marsh. Aside from the upcoming NFL draft, how many times have the Bears selected first overall in the Super Bowl era? Oh, wow. Uh, Let's use the options. Zero, one, or two. Oh, man. I don't think they've ever... Picked first overall since I've been around. That doesn't really help. Um, Wow. Let's go with zero. Zero. Final answer. All right, Marshy. Last question. Devontae Smith 
And which other player led this past Super Bowl with seven receptions? I know it wasn't Travis Kelsey because I had a prop play that he would get seven and a half and he wasn't close. I think he had like five. A.J. Brown was up there. I believe Dallas Goddard had like four. Oh, Chiefs. I'm thinking they spread the ball out a lot. But was it Juju Smith-Schuster? It's either between him or A.J. Brown. And I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. Final answer. All right, let's go over these. After their most recent Super Bowl victory, Kansas City has appeared in how many Super Bowls in team history? Rick, you went with five. Thank goodness. Marsh, you went with five. Final answer. Then you're like, no, wait. I already said final answer. So you stuck with five. Correct answer is five. Nice job, gentlemen. Neither of you needed the options on that one. So we get a 2-2 tie. Only two quarterbacks have ever thrown for over 500 yards in an NFL playoff game. Tom Brady threw for 505 yards. In which other quarterback? Rick, you couldn't think of the Saints quarterback. Eventually asked for the options, and you said, you know what, I was thinking of Drew Brees. Couldn't remember the name. Let's go with Drew Brees. Marsh, you thought initially Nick Foles. I thought of Nick Foles, too. Yeah, I thought it was the same game, that Super Bowl That's game, what I because thought. Tom Brady owns the record. You asked for the options. Nick Foles wasn't an option. Good choice. You also landed on Drew Brees. Correct answer is... Big Ben Roethlisberger. Apparently Big Ben threw 501 yards in a playoff game. Wow. Neither of you with any points on that one. 2-2 tie. Aside from the upcoming NFL draft, how many times have the Bears selected first overall in the Super Bowl era? Rick, you asked for the options. You said, you know, I don't think they've... They've had a number one overall pick besides this one. So you went with zero. Marsh... You also went with zero. Correct answer is? Oh, boys. In fact, it was zero. 3-3 three, three tie between Ooh. Rick and Marsh. You've got, you guys have had the exact same answers until now. Oh, man. Devonta Smith and which other player led this past Super Bowl with seven receptions? Rick, you said it's got to be Travis Kelsey. It's got to be. You went with Travis Kelsey. Marsh, you said, I know it wasn't Travis Kelsey. I had a prop play on it. No chance. <laughs> and you were down to Juju Smith-Schuster or A.J. Brown. Neither of you went with the options. Here's your options, just for blanks and giggles. Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> if it's Travis Kelsey, Rick wins today. If it's Juju Smith-Schuster... We go to a tiebreaker, and if it's A.J. Brown, Marsh wins. Jamie, which other player had seven receptions in this year's Super Bowl? Juju Smith-Schuster. We've got a walk-off. A.J. <laughs> Brown with six catches. Travis Kelsey with six catches. Juju Smith-Schuster, seven receptions. Would have had eight if he wasn't held. Would have eight if he wasn't held. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't a catchable ball. It wasn't catchable. Uh, we do have a, a walk-off. All right, Rick, you're going to hold off on your answer while Marsh writes his down. Closest okay. to the pin wins. Marsh, you ready? I'm ready to go. Here's your tiebreaker question. What year did the Bears last pick first overall 
in the NFL draft. What year did the Bears last pick first overall in the NFL draft? Marsh is writing down his answer. Rick is holding off on his. All right, we do have Marsh's. Uh-huh. Rick, what's yours? In what year did I pick? In what year did the Bears last pick first overall in the NFL draft? Rick, we need your answer. Rick, we need it. It's the tiebreaker. Uh, God dang it. Uh, Gotta be a long time ago. Uh, 19... 51. All right. Jamie, get your math down. Yeah, I do. Jamie, what year did the... Well, let's still march. Marsh, you wrote down? 1935. Rick said 1951. Correct answer is... 19... 47. Rick. You have chosen... Wisely. That was the last year that the Bears selected first overall. Now, don't forget the Super Bowl era is from 1970 to present. So if you're confused, like, hey, I thought they never had a first. It was in the Super Bowl era. So, Rick, congratulations. You beat Marsh today. You'll be back tomorrow to face either Jamie or myself. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Marsh, uh, nice try there, buddy. Oh. Nice effort. You had a nice thing going. This won't I define did. you. Okay. You're still got a winning record. In the oh, I appreciate that, Anthony. Absolutely. Should have went with Juju, though. You were, you knew it. You, you I were knew down it was to that. those two. I, I, I knew it wasn't Travis Kelsey. And for a bad reason, too, because obviously I didn't make money off that bet. It's a, it's almost like you lose, you're losing all over again. <laughs> it really another, is. It's, an, it's just another L. All so, right. Anthony. Yeah. Text line. <clears throat> would like us to, uh, you especially, hold our contestants a little more accountable on the tiebreaker yeah, question. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't, uh, I could, I can say we need an answer. What, what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, but maybe we have, maybe we actually have a shot clock we for the, implement the tiebreaker to where it goes. We can implement that. Certainly. Yeah. They're not happy. And usually they hate us. <laughs> All right. Let's go back into the Blues. Uh, the Blues made a move today. Nope, not a trade. Uh, but they activated a player. And we also want to hear your, from you, the mic drops. We'll get to some of these next when it comes to the Ryan O'Reilly trade. How do you feel about the, the organization right now and the state of the organization moving forward? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think Doug Armstrong's doing a phenomenal job in a hard salary cap era. These type of situations happen from time to time where you got to hit the reset button. I think it's time to bring up some of the younger guys from the AHL and see what we got for the, for the staff to navigate for next year's team. And we need to suck hard for Connor Bedard. Hi-oh! 
that was Nicholas leaving us a mic drop. We appreciate uh, the input there. If you want to leave us a mic drop, you, you always can. We're talking about your blues and whether or not you feel good about the state of the organization. And Nicholas, Nicholas is right, Jamie. Sometimes you get to a point where you need to hit the reset button and push forward with a younger core and perhaps struggle through a little bit of a transition period. Or you pay guys that have helped you win. You hope to have that window, the championship window, extended as long as possible. But there's there's some risk there, too. Perhaps you're overpaying for players that are past their prime, and it's 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 more difficult at times to do a bit of a rebuild. So the Blues are, do, are in a transition. The good thing is you got a lot of draft capital, and you, you will have some payroll flexibility. And you will, at least for now, get a look at some of these young players. And, Jamie, this kind of transitions us into what the Blues did today. Yeah, Blues activated Marco Scandella from the IR. Craig Ruby pretty much told us this was going to happen very soon. We had him on last week, and he says, "I, you know, I think he's back sooner than later." And so, uh, you've added a veteran defenseman. You get, you've added a guy that quite honestly has has a lot to prove to the fan base, to the organization. I came in here, had a very good first stint right after he was traded. So much so that he got a, a nice contract extension from Doug Armstrong. It's been a little bit of a bumpy road and a windy road for Marco Scandella at times since he signed that contract extension. Now you add in the fact that he's at injury, uh, extended period of time with injury. I think Marco Scandella is ready to reset his value within this organization and, and maybe across the league. And I don't I'm not I'm not even referring to the fact that he might be traded. No idea. I mean, this is a guy that when he's played his best hockey as a blue, he's been very effective. He's helped your team. So you, you add a guy like Marco Scandella who plays in your uh, your bottom two, maybe. I don't know who goes in, who comes out. You know, This is all Craig Berube um, stuff that he's going to have to sort out because I can't imagine that Craig Berube would be all that eager to take Tyler Tucker out of the lineup right now. Tyler Tucker has been has done nothing but impress Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong so much so that this kid wasn't really on the map, and he's put himself in the conversation of moving forward. He put himself on this team to where you could move on from Nico Mikola, who was going to be a free agent anyways, but you're like, hey, you know what? We're fine because that Tyler Tucker, he looked pretty good, and he has. I've talked about this on this very show. His anticipation for the game and the way he closes out guys, his gap control is fantastic. And then he does nothing but endear himself more and more to his teammates and to his coaching staff than when he steps in for teammates. And it happened on a hit from, um, I forget who, on Barbashev, Tyler Tucker steps in. And then again uh, the other day with with Austin Watson, he steps in and, and throws down there. So to me, this is a guy that uh, he solidified himself in the lineup. So it, then it makes you think: uh, Would Doug or would Craig Ruby maybe take out one of his regulars? Would he take out a Nick Letty? Would he take out a Tory Krug? Would he take out Callie Rosen? Would Marco Scandella play the right side with Tyler Tucker? Um, there's a lot to kind of process here. And Scott Perunovich, who's uh, down in the American League for conditioning. Uh, he was activated from the IR and loaned to Springfield. So all that means is that the conditioning stint for him is over. Now he's officially an American Hockey League player. So they're not they're not bringing him right back up. 
They're going to give him some more time to play and get some reps down there, which makes complete sense. Now you have a really crowded dance floor up mm-hmm. here as far as defensemen are concerned. So let Scott Perunovic get some reps in down there, let him be healthy and, and gain some confidence. And then moving forward here as things kind of sort themselves out, you'll see where uh, Scott Perunovic slots in. So uh, a lot of things happening here for the Blues roster-wise. They've got guys that are out. Buchnevich is out right now. Uh, Jake Neighbors was placed on the IR. We knew that was going to happen. Brandon Saad is on the IR. Uh, the trades of O'Reilly and Achari. Your roster looks a lot different right now than it did 10 days ago. And it's going to continue to look that way moving forward here based on the fact that the trade deadline is you know, March 3rd. It's cre- it's creeping up on us in a very fast way, but it is very nice to see Marco Scandella healthy and hopefully he can contribute to this blue line. We've been asking for your mic drops throughout the course of the show today about how you feel about the state of the franchise. Who's Who's got a lot more pressure on him now? especially if we don't see Ryan O'Reilly come back through the doors or we don't see some of the veteran players uh, that the Blues have had, uh, you know, in the last couple of years come back through the door. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie, when the Blues traded their players, I thought, hey, they'll still be fine. They got Thomas and Kairu and Shen. Everything's going to be great. What's happening? How do they fix this? That mic drop question is from Jonathan in the Fast Lane on 101 at ESPN. Jamie, what's your answer? How do they fix this? How do they fix this? Yeah. Uh, Army's doing it, man. This is how you do it. You've got to acquire as many assets as you possibly can in order to make a decision on whether or not you will use those picks um, towards future assets to where you're hopefully drafting the future of your hockey club, the next Robert Thomas, the next Jordan Kyra, the next Rurunovich, like that's what you're hoping for. Or you take those players and you flip them and, and you go get some established NHL players or some established young NHL players that are still cost-controlled to a certain degree um, to where they're not going to come in and, and demand a uh, – Massive contract raise because of unrestricted free agency. And you work your way under the cap and you become competitive quickly. Um, that way, a little longer, the path is a little longer. If you use all those draft picks on young players, you know, you're looking two, three years down the road before you would have a team that would be in the mix. I don't think Army likes that concept. So I think you'll see a blend here. I, I think the Blues keep whatever the highest pick is that they have probably their own heading into this draft. I think you could see Army wheeling and dealing the other two first-round picks, or certainly one of them, in order to um, go get another player that could add to the roster, whether it's at the deadline or in the offseason, that could help this team immediately. Can they fix what's what what we're seeing on the ice right now, though? Uh, That's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult from for a lot of reasons. One is... <laughs> You're trading some of your best players. You have. Right. And you saw like, the ramifications of that. Yeah, I don't look at that weekend. right away. I don't look at that right away like that. Uh, Is that more of a mental thing? I think that emotional the, thing. There's a lot that goes on in the locker room at time. It, it's and it's kind of not that it's in chaos. That's a loose use of the word, but it is chaotic for the players right now. 
And the reason being is because you're losing players to injury at the same time mm-hmm. as you're losing players via trade. And a, and a back-to-back, too. And back-to-back games. But to me, it's the biggest the biggest obstacle for the guys on the weekend was the fluctuation of the roster. You're counting on Ryan O'Reilly. Then, oh, he's gone. Achari's gone. That's two of your top centermen, mm-hmm. face-off-wise. And so then down the middle of the ice, where you used to kind of be stacked, now you've got, you know, Robert Thomas. And? and? Yeah. And Braden Shen playing the wing right now. Mm-hmm. So things have changed down the middle of the ice. It's going to take a few minutes here to kind of figure out what direction that this team's going to go. And I don't mean from a trade uh, standpoint, but from a roster standpoint, like who's going to who's going to fit in where? Logan Brown does he get promoted to finally play in the top six right now due to injury? And if he does, here's your time. Yeah, this is you've wanted this opportunity. Now it's your time to seize the opportunity. If you're a young player like Alexandrov, you're looking to prove that you can play every day. Torpchenko. He's had a couple of cups of coffee on the third line, never really got up to the second line. Does he see the second line now mm-hmm. based on injuries and trades? Maybe. If so, seize the moment. Yeah. Nathan Walker, you want to prove that you're an everyday player. Like, now's the time. So there, as much as the roster is depleted from an overall talent standpoint right now, you have guys that have been begging for opportunity. Now's the time to go seize the moment. That's the bottom line. You can win games here down the stretch. You can win a lot of hockey games by outworking the opposition. Yeah, Jamie, there's there's pressure right now for those young guys because they have the opportunity. Don't say in the offseason that you didn't have your opportunity. Now is your opportunity. Or don't say, if I just got enough ice time, this is your moment. They're looking for players moving forward here to be a part of this organization. This is your time. So there is some internal pressure that comes with this is your moment. I also think from a leadership standpoint, we already know Braden Shen is a leader. We already know that Justin Falk is a leader. Guys lead in different ways. Some might be more vocal. Some might be more, look, look, just follow my actions, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. But when it comes to now this young core, I think there's an internal pressure as well on Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo because you've got the contracts. You've got contracts that have either started or or will kick in like Jordan Cairo next year. There's this leadership there's this leadership pressure too. You can't fake it though. So I think that as the coaching staff, Craig Ruby and and the rest of these uh, the rest of his co- his guys, you look around the locker room saying, "Okay, who's who's stepping up now? Who's a natural leader?" who is willing to be a leader but hasn't maybe had the opportunity because the other voices were a little bit louder, this is an evaluation from top to bottom. It's not just about, hey, we got draft picks. Cool. We'll see what you do with them. Yeah. It's about what do you do inside this locker room now in what you know is going to be a losing season. Yeah. If I'm Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube, I'm looking for guys that treat every single game like it's a playoff game Absolutely. from here to the end of the season. Yep. That's the kind of guy I want to build my team around. I want the guy who, in a 7-2 to two game yesterday in Ottawa, is laying out and blocking a shot in the final minutes of the game. Definitely. That shows me that this is a guy who's willing to compete, to be on my roster to play for the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. Thomas and Cairo, they've got to pick it up. They have to pick it up. I know they're your top scorers on your team, but they got benched yesterday. And I don't mean like, hey, they sat there for a whole period. They they got passed over on the power plays towards the end of the game. 
Why? Because Craig Berube and the staff didn't want to reward mediocre effort. And this is what you're doing right now. You're reestablishing what the culture is for your team. Because Alex Petrangelo, Alexander Steen, David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, those were culture guys for you. They're all gone. Every one of them. So now that they're gone, if Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and other players, whoever it is, X, Y, Z, decide that, eh, I just want to get some points and keep, you know, pumping up my numbers here and eh, I don't really want to block a shot, I don't want to take a hit to make a play, then you won't play. Mm-hmm. Then you won't. Yes, you have the big guaranteed contract. Doesn't mean I have to play you. It doesn't. And these guys, you'll find out quickly from all of them, not just those two guys. You'll find out from all of them who has the jam, who really wants to compete, who really is a true character guy, because this is going to be a gut check. It's going to suck. I've played on a couple of these teams, and it's not easy every day to go out there and lay it on the line physically and every day at practice crank it up to 100% because you're trying to get better and trying to help the team win. It's not easy, but this is absolutely where you find out who is truly a character guy for your organization. Do you think it hinders some of these younger players that they weren't a part of that 2019 team? Like you, obviously you have Robert Thomas. He was, but Jordan Cairo wasn't, you know, a lot of the players that were on that team aren't in the organization anymore. Yeah. Well, this is why you're reestablishing the culture. Mm -hmm. It's what you're doing because you don't, you don't, you've got like three guys, I think left from that team and you got Pareko, you got Thomas. Mm -hmm. You did bring back Sammy, Sammy Sammy Blaze. That's big. So Sammy Blaze back and you got Braden Shen. I, th- I think that's it. I could be crazy. Or Ivan Barbashev. So you got yeah. five guys. Bidington, of course. Six guys. I was thinking out players. Yeah, six mm-hmm. guys from that team, which if you look back at that team, they not all of them were huge pieces of right. that puzzle, mm-hmm. right? So I look at it as an opportunity for the guys who are here to prove what they can do at the NHL level, and certainly guys like Braden Shen, who's established 100%. You know, what can Braden Shen do to reestablish the culture? What can Colton Pareko do, Justin Falk, Tori Krug, to reestablish the culture? If you're, if you're a guy that has the contract and the resume, mm-hmm. how do you make this team good faster again? If you look at it as a down year, it will be a down year. If you look at it as an opportunity now for yourself and for this organization, want to be a part of the next cup run. It ain't coming this year but want to be a part of the next one. And if you look at it as that opportunity, even if you're a veteran player like Braden Shen, you have an opportunity now to potentially be the next captain. This could be you, This could be your ship. This yep. could be your boat. Anthony, I want to respond to a text here. Okay. Uh, from 314. I really feel like you guys feed into this if the team is bad, blame Cairo and Thomas by default. It's really an indictment on their character to say they got benched because of their effort, and I think there needs to be some serious evidence and backing to say that. Is it really that Thomas is not trying? I doubt it. Uh, Craig Berube literally said it. Craig Berube literally said it. <laughs> okay, wh- oh, oh, what on. does he know, though? Watch the game. Watch the game. Line changes. We talk about line changes. <laughs> They're stopping their feet 20 feet from the bench. Slow line changes. That's bad. No good. Uh, getting in on the forecheck two seconds too late. Covering your guy a second and a half too late. Taking a swooping in and doing the big circle instead of stopping and starting. The evidence is there. 314, you want to sit down and watch a game with me? I don't think you have enough time in your day for me to cut the clips of why it wasn't good enough yesterday. 
So I'm 100% positive in what I say, and I stand by it a million percent. The fact is, is that Cairo and Thomas, when they do crank it up, when they do have 100% invested in the game, they are difference makers on the other side of it. They win you hockey games, and they don't have to sit on the bench. Well, plus, how many times have, have we have we heard, have we asked, what is wrong with the Blues? What is going on? And, Jamie, this is the first time you talked about even the even the line changes and guys getting off, off the ice with urgency. You ask repeatedly, we do too, of Jamie, explain why they're losing, explain why they can't be consistent, explain this, explain that. And then he tells you, and it's like, no, that can't be it. I don't want to listen. That can't be it. What does Barubi know? What are the three E's? (laughs) I don't like them. Uh, It's, um, here's what they have to understand, or some of our listeners, especially the 314 guy. I absolutely hope that the Blues win every game. I know what goes into it for these guys. I know how much they compete. I know how much they put into their careers. But I also I also know what I'm watching. And when I'm watching something that's fictitious, that they're not doing, that I see the effort is not there, the details of the game are not being paid attention to, i got to call it out. And you don't want them to get rewarded for that kind of play, right? right. Because if they start to win games in which the effort's not there – Maybe they they get a little bit comfortable in that, and that's why there's no consistency throughout the season. Yeah, but whole that's season. been the problem. That so that's been it all year, yeah. right? So you look at Jordan Cairo; uh, he can put up points almost every single game. But what's the number one thing that anybody in the NHL is saying? Never mind Craig Bruby. Never don't even take my advice from this. Okay, don't even listen to me. I can tell you right now. I've talked to numerous people around the NHL. Man, if he could only have a more you know, well-rounded game, mm-hmm. if he could only play the full 200 foot, if he could only give you a full 60 minutes in a game, Robert Thomas, if he could only learn to shoot the puck more, if he could be way more direct, if he could look for the simple pass every now and then instead of putting it through sticks and skates and legs and all that stuff, that's not coming from me. That's not coming from Craig Berube or Doug Armstrong. That's coming from other guys that I see on a nightly basis scouting for other teams that are talking to me about the Blues players. Mm-hmm. So I guess everybody's crazy. I guess nobody's seeing, nobody's watching the game. Janet style. <laughs> it's fast than a 101 ESPN. More of your mic drops. You know, we got one from Josh. Uh, we'll continue the Blues conversation, state of the organization, following the big trade over the weekend. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I like the trade. I mean, we got the the coveted first-round pick. And I think the Mikhail Abramov has a future. It was just a few years ago when he was on the top 25, under 25. I don't think he was just a throw-in, and I hardly see him mentioned at all. That's Josh leaving us a mic drop. I'll be the first one to admit, Jamie is not going to surprise you. I don't know anything about the two players that the Blues acquired in that Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari trade. How much do you know about those two guys? Uh, not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I mean, I've never had a reason to really investigate any other their game or, or the way they play. Uh, look, to me, the, these guys are projects, you know, for the Blues. You got a guy that's played in the East Coast League and the American Hockey League. Um, you know, odds are that he's got some work to do, and he's going to be in Springfield and, and go from there. And the other guy's an American Hockey League guy. So, look, 
I would imagine that maybe, maybe one of them gets an opportunity down the stretch here, especially if more trades are made and you're looking to evaluate everything that you have from top to bottom. And, and Doug Armstrong is going to be doing that. He's going to be evaluating the roster here, um, the roster in Springfield, the draft picks that are playing college hockey and junior hockey. Do you see Jimmy Snuggerud get signed? Do you see him get brought up at the end of the season to get a cup of coffee in the NHL just so he can see what it's all about? Does Zachary Bolduke get a cup of coffee at the end of the year too? Just come on up, four or five games, see what he's got. Let him see what it's like to be in the NHL. All of this stuff is in play. So it's not crazy to think that these two guys could get an opportunity to come up and, and get a sniff. I think, you know, time will tell. I'm I'm anxious to see if if Army gives Martin Furk a chance. And yeah, that, that I didn't just have gas there. <laughs> His name's Martin Furk, F R K. He's playing down in Springfield. He's leading the team in goals scored. Uh, he's a power play juggernaut you know, at the American Hockey League level, mind you. But you did sign this guy in the offseason for a reason. Does he get an opportunity to come up and maybe get a chance to play a few games, a handful of games? Maybe. I think everybody's going to be evaluated now. Adam Gaudet, he is a Hobie Baker award winner. So there is, I wouldn't say like the potential now, but he's played on some really bad teams. Vancouver, he's with Chicago, and then Ottawa. Like the, I don't know if he's really had the chance, but... You know, this year and with the Marlies, he's got 34 points. He scored 20 goals in 40 games. You know, with the way hey. that the Blues are right now, why not give him a shot? Well, like we've talked about, now is your opportunity. If you look at it as a situation like, oh, well, I'm only going to get my opportunity because guys got traded. Or, ah, you know, this sucks. I'm part of the losing you can You can change all that. You can look at it differently. You can say, no, this is my opportunity to prove to the organization that they missed on me all along. They should have had me in the in the lineup as as opposed to Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm better than that guy. Maybe show some humility in it all, but still, it's it's about <laughs> it's about mentality and it's about an opportunity here. Let's hear from Paul, who left us a mic drop. All right, the Blues did the right thing. Armstrong's doing the right thing. He's getting rid of UFAs. I'm tired of these people in St. Louis talking about oh. Why we go to a three-game winning streak and then trade O'Reilly right when we're getting back into the playoff hunt? We aren't going to win a Stanley Cup, not with this defense. You think we're going to beat some of these high-flying offenses in the playoffs with our defense? Just look what Colorado did against us. Our defense is not good enough. So let's get some draft equity. Let's get some more prospects and get rid of these guys. And if we still got a good core, we've got Shen Thomas Kairu, Saad, Buchnevich, who is very underrated. So all we got to do is think about the future. This season is over. And if we squeak into the playoffs somehow, we're going to be out in the first round. We're not going to make a long run in the playoffs. Uh, Paul, I, Paul's right. It also comes down to this, if we just simplify it. And, and Paul, Paul is, again, his, his thought process here, I think is correct. He's thinking of the long term. The other, the other key here is that Doug Armstrong got what he was looking for in compensa- compensation. Because if he if he was looking for more, he thought he could get more, he would have held on to Ryan O'Reilly. But sometimes you have to strike while the iron's hot. So Toronto doesn't turn around and say, okay, we've got to make a move right now. We're trying to get out of the first damn round of the playoffs. So he, he set a price for Ryan O'Reilly, and that either, either Toronto met said asking price 
or they exceeded it. And they may have exceeded it because, again, they're trying. They're in a different, much different place. So we simplify and say they called and Doug Armstrong heard heard what he wanted to hear for the for the compensation. Done deal. I yeah. set up my organization moving forward. The Leafs wanted to get solidified sooner than later so they could evaluate to see what other moves they could possibly make. Certainly. And I think Doug Armstrong learned a valuable lesson leading up to this trade deadline when both of his assets, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, found themselves on the IR. Mm-hmm. Army himself Great said, yeah, a little, uh, I'll paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what he said. I don't want to put words in Army's mouth. But he basically said, got a little bit of a wake-up call when both of these guys got injured. You know, basically, should I expedite the process or not? And he did. Soon after that, Vladimir Tarasenko was traded. And then not long after that, Ryan O'Reilly was traded. So a combination of the Leafs probably wanting to get that deal done early and Doug Armstrong going, hmm, I'd rather not risk it based on the fact that Ryan O'Reilly plays 20 minutes a game. Plays in every situation. He's one block shot on a penalty kill away from being out again, or potentially. So, yeah, I think all of those things, I think all of that factored into making these early moves. Now the big question is, ideally you'd like to hang on to Ivan Barbashev to the deadline. Do you start pulling that move that a lot of teams are doing right now by keeping their guys out of the lineup? Do you start sitting Barbie as a healthy scratch just so he doesn't get injured? Has he done enough already to sit back and do that. I think he has. I, Ivan Barbashev's not going to want to sit on the, on, the, on the sidelines. No doubt. We took a cross-check <clears throat> yesterday. Well, yeah, imagine missing out because right. of that reason. So if I'm, if I'm Army and I'm looking at the, uh, the calendar right now, you've basically got 10 days before the deadline, mm-hmm. 11, give or take, depending on what time of day it is. Uh, I'm not risking it. Barbie's going to be a healthy scratch for me until the deadline, and other guys get opportunity. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 at ESPN. We get our sports six pack coming up 314 399 9646. If you want to ask us a question, uh, we'll do our sports six pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Before we get to the Sports Six Pack, just a reminder, you while you're leaving us a mic drop about the Blues, why don't you throw the uh, biggest question of the day at us biggest question of the day coming up at 5 30 this could be sports related non-sports related something we're talking about something we're not talking about it's up to you biggest question of the day have an opportunity to be chosen all right sports six-pack time question number one from the 314 if doug armstrong decides not to trade the first round picks this year does that mean the blues are not in a win now mode wow no uh, no it doesn't i mean he's still gonna have some salary cap available to the club in the offseason to go and sign a free agent if there's somebody out there that he really likes. Uh, you also have to remember that 
just because he uses, let's say, all three first-rounders, he still has first-rounder next year, the year after, two second rounds in 2024, two third-round picks. A lot of that stuff can get packaged uh, together. And so when, when you look at this team overall, they're going to have some money to spend in the offseason. So no, I don't think it... I don't think it affects it terribly. Uh, does it delay it a year or two? Maybe three? Yeah, depending on what else he does. It could simply mean that he, he didn't he didn't like what he was what he was giving up for what he was getting. If he, he yes, theoretically, he could package all these picks and and move up. But if there's depending on what you're getting, if he's not if he's not enamored with it, then he just says, "All right, I'll sit and pick." So I don't think you can read read into it that way and just just speak in general terms. If he if he holds on to the picks, then it's going to be a longer rebuild. It, it could, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's an absolute. Question number two from the three one four: What scenario would you see that Barbashev could get re-signed in lieu of being traded? I don't think it's going to I think he's like, is that the question? I, I we could do it both ways. Let's we can answer the question both ways. Sure, generous. Let's do it this way. Anthony's a generous fellow. Sure in is. lieu in lieu of being traded. No, I don't I don't think I don't think he's I don't think there's any way he's uh still a blue beyond March 3rd. Do you? No. I think that why would you? Right. Like I, I was all for keeping Barbie before but at, at this point, you're trading off everything. Why would you miss out on an opportunity to mm-hmm. um, improve your team? And if if the scenario of trade and re-sign in the offseason was available for O'Reilly or even Achari, why wouldn't it be available for Barbie? Right. Jamie, if you hold on to Ivan Barbashev, could you re-sign him in the offseason? You could. If you traded... Ivan Barbashev, could you re-sign him in the offseason? You could. So why wouldn't you get that compensation now? I couldn't some, agree more, Anthony. I mean, it's a, it's a yes both ways. Yes, it is. If the season is over. Hey, it's not over. Not over. Well, Nothing it's not is over. over. Nothing's over. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> Your mic was still on. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Oh, so I forgot, to talk hit, about... forgot to hit the button. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He scares me sometimes, Jamie. Well, it's not like over. Like, you know, it's obviously a lot of games left. Absolutely. You never know. You never know. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Question number three. Uh, From the 314, how many saves did Edwin Perez have last year? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Not enough. He led the league. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. That's not the real (laughs) question. That's actually a question, though, that someone texted in. Somebody. So it is a real question, but it's not really question number three. Uh, Somebody on Facebook tagged me. (laughs) Something with Edwin Edwin Diaz. And they're like, who's this guy? I go, I don't know. What happened to Edwin Perez? (laughs) Go ahead, Marsh. So actually, Edwin Perez is a real person. Oh, of course. I'm he sure, is. there's an Edwin Perez. Um, yeah. No, it's an actor. Edwin Perez. Is Edwin an actor? Perez is Does an he play actor. Baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> is that why I was confused? He has an IMDb and everything. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm wow. looking at him right uh, now. He is in. Uh, he's an Arrow. I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's a Green Arrow show on the CW. Oh. He's in Supergirl. Never seen it. He is in Far Cry Six. Six, which is a video game. Six. I'm looking at his his page right now. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've seen any of these movies. Because he's too busy pitching. Yep. 
All right, no, we'll just we'll, we'll make that question number three, Anthony. I feel like what? Don't short, don't short change right, the people. Fine, 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 fine. Which bullpen arm for uh, for the Cardinals do you believe can have a breakout season, kind of like how, how how we saw last year out of the pen? Would Andre Palante count as a breakout candidate no. last year? He did it last year. So? Okay. In my opinion, he broke he out broke last year. Who is the year. new Cincinnati Bengals of the Cardinals bullpen? Zach Thompson. Ooh. Got his taste last year, and he has a breakout performance this year. Don't have a lot of lefties, as we've talked about, at least a lot of reliable lefties. He's got the talent. Just talent needs to meet opportunity. There you go. I'll go with Zach Thompson. I would. Uh, I will support that 100%. I like that one. Question number four. Ooh, this one is tough. From the 314, what will hurt more? Watching Petro win a cup in Vegas or watching Alex Reyes close out the NLCS for the Dodgers? Um, Alex Reyes. Yeah, for me, it will be Alex Reyes. You know, Alex Petrangelo, longtime blue captain, great guy, good friend. Uh, Already did it with the Blues, too. He did it with the Blues, and... You know, the Vegas Golden Knights, odds are they're not going to go through the Blues to get to the Stanley Cup and, and win it. So why not cheer on Alex Petrangelo? Absolutely. Question number five. If the new if the Blues keep all the picks, will those picks be the new core and open up a new window? Uh, what? No. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, but here's why I say no, not... Not that they couldn't potentially be that, but you have to go with the odds here again. Percentages tell me that, you know, only one of those guys will be an impact player. Hopefully two, depending on, you know, what picks you keep and whatnot. But it's so difficult to predict, you know, what player will be an NHL player, what player will be a significant NHL player, what player will be an NHL star it's too hard to predict that. So I, I don't think that that's your maybe eventually part of your core because obviously Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are draft picks and now they're part of the core or just getting to that spot right now. So I don't know. I, I don't put a lot. I don't like to put that kind of pressure on a young player who is going to have a hard enough time playing every day in the NHL. Sure. We did get a text from the 636. Vegas ain't making the playoffs. Oh, wow. LOL. Whoa. Which is, that's crazy. They're in first place right now, but you never (laughs) know. The season, I guess, is not over. points right now. Weren't they in first place last year at the deadline and... Or at the All Star break and Uh, and then fall out? Nah, I don't know about that. Actually, I think you're right. I think they were. (laughs) There's no chance. I think they were in first place last year and wound up missing. Missing the postseason. There's they no also, chance they miss the playoffs. That a lot I'll of say injuries. right now, 0.0% chance they miss the playoffs this year. Wow. Or what? Put it on the board. Wow. I actually kind of hope they miss them now. Yeah, I don't care. There's no way. Okay. All right, all right. Slow down. Okay. I said there's no way. <laughs> Question number six. From the 636, what was your favorite part about the XFL this past weekend? Watching that 4th and 15 be completed by the Battlehawks. The, the win was great, too, but kind of started there. I love I loved that rule. You, And for those who missed it, again, if you're trailing 
or if you're tied in the fourth quarter of an XFL game, you have the opportunity to do an onside kick at any point in the fourth quarter or take a fourth and 15 opportunity from your own 25-yard line. Battlehawks decided to go for it on fourth and 15. A.J. McCarron found Bricky Prohl's son, got the first down, and a couple of plays later, they were in the end zone. That was my favorite play. Favorite moment. Yeah, I would agree to that. I think I think the the sequence of the onside fourth and fifteen play, and then the touchdown play in between the two defenders. That was that would be gross. Did you and get a, a chance to watch former Battlehawk Jordan Tiamu? Yeah, it didn't look good. Play uh, Anthony. He didn't. They were running the ball. They're down by, I believe, two at the time, or maybe they're up by two. Um, and they were just running the ball, just running the hell out of the ball, doing great. And then he threw an interception. Yeah, he didn't play well. I was like, you can't do that. He looks better in a Battlehawk uniform. He really does. And they have him and De'Eric King. Yeah, they've got, they, well, they, King they've got that, somebody else, too. They've got like three they? quarterbacks that, that are... That are intriguing. How do you... Okay, so if you... Obviously, like the XFL, it, it, we've, and we've talked about this, could it be a feeder league into the NFL? Maybe. But it's a second chance for these players to play at the profession, at, at a professional level. What do you do if you're the backup quarterback, though, in the XFL? Like, how are you, you going to get your reps? You, you go on to lead the Washington Washingtons in a playoff game against Tom Brady. That's how you do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly it's exactly what, what happened. happened with with Heineke. Uh, no, it is it is very difficult. You just have to let just anything else. You have to you have to sit and you know wait for your opportunity. Certainly. Uh, by the way, it was Eric Dungy, mm-hmm. the former quarterback at Syracuse. So they've got Eric Dungy, Tony's f- son. No, oh, his brother. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. Can't be. Uh, Syracuse. Uh, anything's possible. No, not this. Not this one. Uh, Sarah, he played at Syracuse. Derek King was the Miami and Houston quarterback, and then they've got Jordan Tiamu. That's that's at the uh, the DC. That's the DC defenders. Do you miss the Bud Light Seltzers of after course. after the win? Yeah, but you I know didn't what? see any. Just like just like Gloria needed to stay with the 20, 2019 Blues team. You, you got to have your own thing now. You're absolutely right. We haven't had a home game yet. Very true. But again, again, have your own thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no seven questions, Anthony. I think we're done. <laughs> oh, did we hit it? I'm yeah. so used to us not. Yeah, you just oh, pointed at me like, next yeah, question. We're already I'm like, over I mean, on the clock. My yeah. question. <laughs> question driving? number seven. I didn't know. <laughs> Another captain traded. What are the ramifications? <laughs> We'll get to that next of on one of the Blues trading another captain, oh. or, or or not resigning another. Well, captain. All the captains eventually get traded. Yeah, Anthony. but I mean, this is quick, Jamie. In fact, your leadership group all gone except for Braden Chen. I mean, you really cycled through these guys. See, Bacchus, opportunity for more leaders. Petro, Steen, you know, Ryan O'Reilly. I know, but he's a, 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 you know he's a huge leader. Yes. Jay Bowmeister was a great leader. Yeah, some guy is gone now. Mm-hmm. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Hey, Jamie, because Marsh doesn't want to forward my uh, text message, can you explain the player rights we received from Minnesota and how that works out? Thanks a lot. The, what? the player what? Player rights? Don't be looking at me. Well, well, I think I think he wants to know how Minnesota affected that Ryan O'Reilly Nola charge. Oh. They take they take on twenty five percent. So the Blues took on fifty percent of Ryan O'Reilly's contract, the remaining portion of the contract. Yeah, it's the max amount a team can take on. So the Blues took on fifty percent. So they're still paying whatever le- is left on Ryan O'Reilly's deal. The Blues are paying fifty percent of it. As Ryan O'Reilly goes to Toronto, Toronto is paying 25% of that. The Wilds got involved. Things got wild. They're paying 25%. And they're getting a fourth-round pick out of Toronto in in return. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So the Blues got all the draft compensation and a couple of uh, players, two players. Yeah. The Maple Leafs got... O'Reilly and Nolachari, and the Wild got a fourth-round pick. Yeah, the Wild basically got a fourth-round pick uh, for taking on 25% of the deal. They brokered the deal Mm -hmm. in order to help the Leafs stay under the salary cap. So they got rewarded for it. They got got paid off to be the middleman on this one here. And uh, Blues got Gaudet, Abramov, and, of course, the three picks. So I hope that I hope that clarifies that question. I think so. And if not, I mean, feel free to tax Marsh and he'll ignore it and uh, leave us another mic drop. It's part of the game, Anthony. Yep. All right, here's Rex with a mic drop on the Blues. Guys, I'm a Blues fan. I'm excited to see this team build something special again, uh, just like I watched them build with Backus and Johnson and Oshie over those years, and it took a long time. But uh, the difference now is that this team – isn't even fun to watch going to the games. They don't have any fight. They don't compete every shift. They're so soft on the puck at times. Kairou mopes around like a baby, or he's hot-dogging everything, and it's just not enjoyable as a fan to watch. So I hope that they can bring in some veterans uh, to lead these young guys like they did back in the day with Jason Arnett and Jamie Langenbrunner and just those guys who were true professionals because that's what this team needs. They're just dead in the water right now, and it's not even fun to watch. And Jamie Rivers. What's that? I mentioned some players. I threw one more in. Yeah, true professional. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, look, I, I I appreciate the mic drop, and, um, you know, certainly there's things that could be better, but I, I do have to say that, I find Jordan Kyron Robert Thomas exciting to watch. I come on. These guys are extremely talented. Are the young guys still learning um, how to be everyday NHLers, how to up their game, how to become leaders, how to take those next steps? Of course they are. Look at any sport. The, the, the young star players go through ups and downs. They do. They have successes where you're like, wow. And then they have whenever there's – team failure they seem to get a little more exposed in the areas that need improvement i think that's where we're at right now with this blues team is you have a couple of really talented young guys um but that being said 
you know, they're, you're you're going to be exposed a little bit when you don't have O'Reilly, when you don't have Tarasenko, when you don't have Achari. You don't have some of these guys that can help you out out there. But I, I think that overall those guys are pretty exciting to watch. They also now step into a spot, Jamie, and you can't force leadership. I think it's one of those things that you either have and you develop or you don't have and you don't really know what, or understand what it takes and you don't care. Not everybody's a leader. But with Petro gone and Steen gone and Bo Meester gone and now Ryan O'Reilly gone, there is a leadership void there. And Braden Shen, we know, can lead. Justin Falk can lead. But these young guys, whether it's Robert Thomas and or Jordan Cairo or, you know, whoever, this is now an opportunity, too, where you've got even younger players that are looking at you and while they're trying to keep their head above water because they're getting their first real taste of the NHL or their first real opportunity to, to, to earn some, some real ice time, they're looking towards you. And what are you going to do? You got paid. You know you're going to be here a while. But this is now this is now uh, your moment from an off ice standpoint too, Jamie. Yeah, listen. Here's the thing: is not every guy is your blood and grit leader. Not every leadership guy has to eat nails and spit blood. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. But you got to lead by example, and leading by example for. No matter who it is, we seem to isolate Thomas and Cairo all the time. And well, they I know got, they got paid. I know they got paid, and they got eight more years after this year. I understand that, but they're not the only freaking guys on the team. They're not, and they they may not be leaders like we think. They may not be Ryan O'Reilly. They may not be Alexander Steen. Quite honestly, they're probably not either of those guys when it comes from a vocal standpoint. But can they be leaders every day with the way they play? Absolutely. With the way they practice? Absolutely. With the way they handle themselves in the offseason, getting ready for training camp? Absolutely. And that's, for me, I, as a hockey guy and as a fan, I want to see them make those steps first. Before I worry about Robert Thomas flipping the Gatorade table in the room and being like, we need to pull it together here. No. Pull it together in the offseason. Show up to camp in shape. Show up to camp as a guy that's showing everybody else, including the other veterans, you know, what you're ready to do. And that goes for Thomas. It goes for Cairo. It goes for Perunovic. It goes for all the younger guys. Show up and and show me what it looks like. Don't tell me about it. But that is leadership. It is. but It's it, a different kind of leadership. But everybody always associates leadership with uh, like you look at Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, he works after practice. He does it. Yes, he does. He's a vocal guy. Braden Shan's a warrior. And like, yes, all of that is true. But show me by example first. Give me vocally second. Mm-hmm. That's, because that's, because that's, you can have all the smoke and mirrors of a guy that's a rah, 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 rah. And I've seen these guys in my career always oh, say the right thing, especially when coaches are around mm-hmm. and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you're going to see right through that. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. But to the fan looking in, the fan doesn't see the everyday things. All they see is, oh, well, he stood up and he said, look at he's on the bench, like yelling at his teammates or trying to have, and the teammates are rolling their eyes. Right. Going, yeah, dude, you showed up 40 pounds overweight for camp. You out every night till 3 a.m. And, oh, yeah, you're the guy, right? Blood, sweat, and tears, huh? So I'm not saying anything about the young guys here that that's the way they are. 
all I'm saying, I'm using that as an example as to what your expectation should be from a true leader. A true leader is a guy that shows up every single day and gives everything they've got. That every time you look at them, they're doing the right thing. Every time you watch them play, they're leaving it on the ice. That, to me, is a true leader. And a true leader doesn't have to be recognized with a letter on their jersey. I've told you this before. When they picked Ryan O'Reilly as a captain, there was some talk about Vladimir Tarasenko and how he was upset that he didn't get the C. A true captain never asks for it. A true captain just earns it and has given it. And that's what I think for any of these young players or any of these veterans that are on this roster right now for the Blues. Go show the coaching staff and the fan base that you're a leader by what you do every single day, no matter what the situation. Well said. That's Jamie Rivers, former Blues defenseman. I'm Anthony Stalter. We've got the biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. for the fast lane's biggest question of the day and our biggest question of the day comes from rob am i way off base in thinking that the blues front office is doing nothing but damage control at this point with the fans damage control uh i don't know what damage control like in what way? <clears throat> like the way I, the way I see it is, maybe the uh, this is the result of certain signings and like players that you did not bring back, and this is somewhat damage control for that. I don't think it's damage control for the fans. I think more damage control for the team, the organization, uh, because you're in a situation where you're. You're not in the playoff mix, and you have all of these players. So, yeah, for me, it's damage control as far as you know, your your organization moving forward. Because if you if you held on to Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko and Ivan Barbashev and whoever else you know is, is in the rumors, and then you don't make the playoffs, and then those guys walk then you're really in trouble. You talk about damage at that point. So for me, damage control is um, acknowledging that it's been a tough year and then moving on from certain players so that you can continue to be a competitive team. Damage control for me would be if we're we're going to use another sport in in a big situation going on right now in the NFL, damage control would be the Packers trading Aaron Rodgers and then in a press conference saying, yeah, uh, he didn't want to be here and he didn't work hard last year. We weren't thrilled with the work ethic from a year ago and he didn't want to be here. That's damage control. You're kind of spinning, spinning the narrative. Fans might be ticked off. And Aaron Rodgers might be a poor example. But if fans are ticked off, like, hey, you just traded away a guy who won multiple MVPs and a Super Bowl here. What do you have to say for yourself? The guy didn't want to be here. He didn't try last year. He sucked. <laughs> Like that, that I think would be damage control. Yeah. This is just part of it. This is it's doing good business at you, this point. Like Jamie said, you're you're in the midst of a losing season or uh, a 500 season, and you've got three guys, one of which has told you didn't want to be here. Another said he did, but is an unrestricted free agent. And likely Arvin Barbashev that's going to be dealt before March 3rd, the deadline. 
you getting compensation for for guys that are likely walking through your door and probably not coming back so this is just to me it's it's part of it's part of the process it's part of doing business i don't think it's damage control i think fans we haven't really experienced this in quite some time with the blues like the blues are always competitive they you know the, the obviously the cardinals miss like the playoffs three years in a row and now they're starting to finally get back in the swing of things getting into the first round and whatnot uh but you know other than that one season with the blues missing out the paul stasny trade and all that we were not looking at three first round picks it almost seems like a new type of thing for for st louis blues fans sure all good things unfortunately come to an end i me personally i i'm excited to see what they do with these three picks because uh, like i said we haven't really experienced having this amount of draft capital in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see whether or not Doug ends up making a big trade, which we know he's done in the past, or if they decide to actually try and get some some young talent, which we know that this entire draft is is full of talent. So I don't know. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty exciting. Well, you have flexibility now. You have options. You have you have assets and options. And if you're heading into an offseason, and the Blues will be heading into an offseason, unfortunately, sooner rather than later, you'd rather have the draft compensation to to move up and down the draft or tr- or trade those pieces for proven talent, and you also have more cap flexibility. That doesn't mean you're going to win again in short order. But if you didn't have the draft capital and you've got an aging roster that you're overpaying, that, trust me, that's way worse. Again, to use another comparison, we actually could stay in the same in the same sport because the Blackhawks, while they did win three cups, at some point that roster got older and more expensive, and we saw the downfall. If you're going to baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies and the San Francisco Giants are two of the more recent examples of rosters that got older and more expensive. The rebuild came, and it was nasty. And the Phillies really never recovered, which is why you're seeing them spend all this money now. The Giants are, are doing it in, in a slower fashion, but nonetheless are going through a rebuild. This is better, believe it or not, to trade off these pieces, to get that compensation, and then again to have that flexibility when it comes to having draft capital and or cap flexibility. Yeah, and let's not forget, I don't, I just don't see Doug Armstrong taking this franchise through a complete rebuild i just don't see it he said time and time and time again that he wants to remain competitive that he owes it to the team the fan base and the ownership so it's great that you've acquired all these draft picks i don't think doug uses all the draft picks to pick young players i think some of them get flipped into some player acquisition army does not want to be in this situation again next year if they do, if they're so, if they're looking for a guy to bring in, are you bringing in another defenseman, or are you bringing in scoring? Well, right now Depends you don't. On what's available? Yeah, it's not only is it what's available, but like your hands are tied in certain areas, and this is the one thing that fans need to understand is every single defenseman in our top four has a no trade clause, and not one of them has uh, an addendum to that until 2025 so they can veto anything you want to do with them so get used to seeing that top 4d unless 
Army's able to wheel and deal a trade, which would require him to probably chip in another piece of the puzzle for somebody to take on an extended contract that maybe they don't want. But even then, the player has to agree to it. So the fact of bringing in a defenseman, another top four guy, it's not going to happen without the player waiving his no-trade clause. It's the bottom line. So I think next year, quite honestly, I think you need to focus on the forward group right now. You have a uh, you have a good defensive core. Not great. You have a good defensive core right now. Where you're lacking is up front, obviously, because you're missing all those pieces right now that you're having to trade off. So I think focusing on that and getting in some scoring would be great. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What you miss, criticisms, compliments next. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's the first. Jamie Rivers just stormed out of here because he said he was sick of the text line. I thought it was a, a little ridiculous, but, um, you know, that's Jamie. You, get, you have to take the emotional good with the emotional not so good, Marsh. It happens. Hey, at least he didn't throw anything. Very true. Like we just threw him under the More bus. Yeah, stomp right stomp. out. Nah, I had to. Pick up his daughter from soccer. Oh, so, yeah, that's yeah, right. That was different. Yep. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or in your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by the Air... It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. We talked a lot of... I looked up, saw the air coming up. That wasn't it. Then I stumbled over Dobbs Tire. We talked a lot about the Ryan O'Reilly trade from over the weekend. Got your mic drops. Uh, Jamie got... Jamie did get mad at one of the, one texture specifically, but Jamie had every right to snap back the way he did. Talked a little Cardinals. Think we'll dive in a little bit more Cardinals tomorrow. We talked about your Battle Hawks. What sure a victory! Did. What a victory yesterday, Week One. Already looking to Thursday night's game, Marsh. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm pretty pumped up. Ben DiNucci, better watch out. DiNucci has nothing. He has on no the idea. He's, you know he's gonna, he's gonna fumble. He's gonna fumble. At Battle Hawks uh, this week. Uh, I'm predicting the defense comes up big. Maybe uh, maybe an interception uh, for our guy Chris Cooper. Who we did talk to earlier today. And again, you can listen to the podcast, catch the entire interview. Time for some criticisms and some compliments. All right. We get a criticism from the 314. Uh, and I don't know if this is for us. Maybe more listener on listener crime, Anthony, what? but we got it. Anyways, from the 314, pretty disappointed that a fan base dubbed BFI, whichever sport has such dumb takes. Whoa! That's unbelievable. That's tough. I think we get plenty of good takes. And yeah, there's some certainly some dumb ones as well, but I think for the most part, Marsh, we've got a sophisticated, smart listening group that uh, provides content for us consistently. Hey, I'm all about the content. I know you're all about the content. I was watching, you know, I was watching that game yesterday. And we were texting about, uh, you know, the the XFL. And uh, just immediately, I'm like, yeah, this, this, this is great content. Especially the comeback. Mm-hmm. It's just great content. Everybody that sends us mic drops, it's great content. You also provided some content with us 
by not truly admitting that you loved the fourth and 15 and wanted to see it in the NFL. I think you're lying, Anthony. You you said earlier that you would rather see Patrick Mahomes with the fourth and 15 opportunity than an onside kick. And then you're like, but I don't want it in the NFL. No, I don't. You think it's too gimmicky, Marsh. I don't think it's NFL worthy. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the XFL. Like, I want that to be the XFL's thing. You have an opportunity for high drama in basically every NFL game that doesn't involve a crap team like the Texans. And even then, you never know with the 4th and 15. Anthony. I, I like there's more ways. I, I do like there's more ways that you're going to have to come back. I hell, think. And hell, just defend the 4th and 15 then. That's fair. And, you know, unless you're Ed Donatel. (laughs) I think he was coaching the uh, San Antonio Brahmas yesterday. They must have hired him in that, uh, well, not the fourth quarter, but literally the last two minutes of the game. Heinz Heinz Warder's looking around and goes, is that Ed Donatel here? All right, make him the DC. How about about Greg with the, uh, the old DC defenders? Greg who? I'm blanking on his last name. The Bounty Gate guy. Oh, uh, uh, Greg Williams? Yes, Greg Williams. Is yes. he their coach? He's their. I'm pretty sure he's the, their defensive coordinator. No kidding. I missed that. I think so. I think so. All right, we'll look, we'll look that up. He used to be the Rams' defensive coordinator, as people know. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at it now. Their head coach is Reggie Barlow. Their defensive coordinator is Greg Williams. Yes, you're right. How about that? Okay, watch for that team. Yeah, we gotta watch. We gotta watch out for him next week, or not next week. Uh, he was a really good defensive coordinator there for a while. He was also the DC for the Jets. Do you remember the game? This was his last. I think this was his last game in the NFL. He called the zero blitz against who was it? Pittsburgh, maybe. He or the Browns. He called the zero blitz against some team and, and basically allowed a late touchdown. Jets lost the game, and I believe he got fired the next day. Wait, was that this year? No, 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 no. This was several years ago. Okay, so I'm. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. He was the DC for the Jets. Let me see if I can find the if I can find the game. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, it was, it was the it was it was the Ravens. It was Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Raiders. Excuse me. It was Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs, and uh, five. Yeah, it was five seconds left. Wound up being the game-winning touchdown. Called a zero blitz. His last, his last game in the NFL. <laughs> well, hey, Anthony, even he gets a second chance in the XFL, Absolutely. so yeah. maybe it'll lead to something in the NFL. There you go. Uh, Lisa just really appreciates the show, Anthony, and all of the uh, hockey insight that you provide. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, not Jamie, of course. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. She said, uh, Jamie, you teach us so much. Thank you. I'm so calm when you're discussing the blues and not the cards. Jamie has not only insight, but he. It, what's, what's great about Jamie is he, he played the game played for a long time played in other played overseas and sometimes we joke about like the length of his career but here's the thing when you're still getting signed or traded uh or, or acquired you're talking about teams that saw value in jamie he understood what his value was he was also 
you know, somebody that had a lot of success in juniors, came up in the NHL, thought he was going to be an offensive defenseman, winds up being a guy that, you know, served served a, a very key role for not only the Blues but other organizations, was a part of a cup-winning team in Detroit. And, in, and now, you know, he's a coach and a teacher. So for him to be able to – he's one of the best when it comes to explaining the game. That's not easy to do on radio when obviously you don't have – you know, the demonstration. So Jamie's Jamie certainly is the best. And we'll be back tomorrow here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We got the Redbird Report, Brad Thompson with another podcast for us right now. Hope you enjoy that. Again, two to six tomorrow for the Fast Lane. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.